They offered me a nice part in this uh, one episode, and I looked at the script and liked it. And they said I could have the part, so I said, okay. This particular episode is titled All Our Sins Forgotten? Right. And do you realize that Ron Reyes lives in Vancouver? Yes. You know, one of the original Black Flag singers like yourself, and he's a born-again Christian. Well, we all end up something. But I thought that's kind of neat. All sins forgotten and Ron Ray's, and you're in Vancouver, B.C. You know, the way you can put it all together like that is just amazing, because I never would have been able to piece it together like that. Well, Henry, also, you were in the movie Johnny Nuh. Johnny Nuh. Yes. Mon Johnny Mnemonic, written by William Gibson, a Canadian, who lives in Vancouver, B.C., Canada. Right. And in that movie, what did you play? I played a scientist. And what are you playing in this particular production? Scientist. And what have you played also? You've also played co It's either a cop or a scientist, isn't it? A scientist or a doctor, a lot, of, a lot of the roles? Cops and scientists and thugs. And in Vancouver, B.C., there was Rollins Trucks. There's Rollins Trucks. Why did you name yourself Rollins? It wasn't for Rollins Trucks at all, was it, Henry? Actually, it was. Rollins Trucks and Security Systems. Because I like mobility and I like security. Why do you think people think that you hate Vancouver or Winnipeg? You know, people think that you hate Vancouver or Winnipeg. Oh, because I used to very much. Because I would come here and you guys would be a shitty, spitting, heroin-shooting, equipment-stealing audience who we weren't allowed to kill. So after I got out of Black Flag and I didn't have to come here anymore, when I became the boss of the, of the system, I stopped coming here so I didn't have to get spat on and have my equipment ripped off by, by idiotic punk rock junkies. So I gave the city about seven years to cool off and came back and found it to be a very wonderful place. So it's no longer Drunkville to you? No. Because some of the media was quite harsh on you. I noticed the Vancouver, like, just, I picked this from a zine from 1985, and it's called the Black Flag Scorecard. And it was like a little scorecard here where it says, like, um, it was like the audience versus Black Flag. Middle fingers for punks, insults, objects thrown, mean faces, general ridicule. Like, they were kind of, ins maybe Vancouver, was, is this, did this happen a lot? Like, the fanzines, you know, of the time kind of making fun of Black Flag gigs? Because I thought maybe this is what helped add to your Vancouver hatred. I never read any of the fanzines, really. So you never saw anything? There's no other Black Flag scorecards about then? Wow, I've never even seen that photo. You know why I had my wrist wrapped up like that? No. That's from punching a guy. There's some little quotes you said from the stage. If I got a penny for each time you little boys beat off, I could, you know, I could buy this fucking country. Is that one of your lines, do you think? I don't know. And Henry, uh, Winnipeg, what do you, did you hate Winnipeg as well? Yeah, yeah, because the promoter ripped us off and uh, we actually had to go to his house to get his, get, to get paid. And also some of our equipment got ripped off and at one point uh, someone poured a beer into our soundboard, which we really... Didn't have like a Madonna tape? Like, I heard somebody like pit stole your personal tape deck or pissed on it and had like a Madonna tape. I don't remember any of that. So it was going to the promoter's house and people like trying to destroy the equipment? Have you been to Winnipeg back? Like have they survived the seven-year ban, Henry Rollins? I don't know, Nardwar. I can't remember. I'd have to look. But Edm I think so. Edmonton was pretty cool, wasn't it? Like the two 7-Elevens across the street from each other? What can you say about that? Well, I'll go anywhere where the people are cool. But if the crowd's going to be a drag, why should I return? You know, uh, uh, there's, and, and you know, the Cana the, those two Canadian cities were just a drag. I mean, the people were idiots. And um, we're, you know, you're just lucky no one was hurt worse.
I mean, the promoter, uh, McKeegan, he eventually got all four of his front teeth knocked out by another Canadian fellow who came to the aid of a band he was trying to rip off. So you had a, a you know, a, a fellow, uh, forget his name, very good guy, young man who knocked the guy's teeth out. It was cool, though, two 7-Elevens across the street. You wrote about that in Spin. I'll never forget that. Like in Edmonton, wasn't it? Yeah, that's great. How many more questions do you have? Oh, just a few. Uh, Henry, you have a brand new record out here. You have to hurry. You have a brand new record here. Really with, boring. With, you, have a really, you have a brand new record here called War. You know, you do a version of War. Uh-huh. Now, who else does War? With me on the track? Well, um, DOA also do War, Vancouverites. Mm-hmm. Now, with the, with the song War, Chuck Biscuits, you know, being from Vancouver, there's legends that he played in DOA, Circle Jerks, and Black Flag in one night. Do you ever remember that happening, like playing in all three bands, Chuck doing that? Uh, not to my experience, no. What about Victoria? Do you remember playing Victoria? Sure. What do you remember about Victoria? My friend has a great picture of you playing there, putting your finger to your head. Um, I remember it being really nice. And, uh, the best time was when we played with No Means No, and they were really good. And I think we stayed at the bass player's house after the show, and they fed us very nice, very well. And, uh, I think that's maybe where I met Ron, was actually, uh... Ron Rays. Ron Rays. Mm -hmm. What about the Canadian subhumans? Do you remember them at all? Sure. I used to put them up at my house, my apartment, rather, before I was in Black Flag when I was living in D.C. I, uh, they were on tour with, a, with DOA, and uh, they all stayed on my floor for a couple of nights. Would you ever consider putting Chicks Dig It Up? You know, they have that song, Henry Rollins is No Fun. More Canadian content here with Henry Rollins. You're speaking to me, Nardward Human Serviette. Because they have that song, you know, Henry Rollins is No Fun, and they've been known to prank call social distortion using your name. Well, I think Mike Ness would know I'd never uh, call him without a real reason, so I'm, that doesn't worry me. Well, apparently he's been fooled three times that it's you. Well, you know, maybe Mike will have to straighten me out someday in some parking lot somewhere in America. Have you had problems with that? You know, like people just trying to hassle you? Like, there's a new Zeno called Stonegrass, and they talk about this girl from Washington, D.C. that says she had sex with you and that your cock is shaped like a soup can. Like this, or, you know, another rumor, a soup can cock for Henry Rollins. Last girl I fucked in D.C. was this idiotic stripper chick who called herself Aura. But I fucked her really good, so I don't... Well, when you fuck somebody for 45 minutes straight without ejaculation, as you has in some of your books, I've what sort of... I've never been able to do that. But I thought in one... 45 minutes? you went 45 minutes or 35 without ejaculation. Did I write that? Yeah, you did. Can you quote me on that? Um, somewhere in the book, and Get in the Van, they were talking about that, was when you and Joe Cole were at this girl's house, and Joe Cole, in the morning, the girl left, and she had some sticky stuff in her hair. Oh, yeah, that's, that's when that girl, yeah, she all of a sudden got freaked out on me. It was the funniest thing, like, I, I ran into her again a few years ago, and she hit on me. I'm like, I remember you. No, we're not going there again. Yeah, I came in her hair and then went to the van and slept the rest of the time before we had to leave. What sort of girl are you looking for? Like, you really like Amy Mann, don't you? Amy Mann and Demanda Gallus. Like, when you played Black Flag, played in Vancouver a few years ago, Amy Mann opened... Why, why are you so stuck? How old are you? How old do you want me to be? How old are you? Well, for all intents and purposes, I'm whatever age you want me to be, Henry. But I'm just curious, in 19... Are you, are you able to tell me the truth, or...? I am 30 years old, born July 5th, 1968. So you're, you're 30. So... One of the first gigs I remember, not going to, but hearing about, was you guys playing at New York Theater. And that same night, Amy Mann opened up for Rick Springfield. Oh, I went and saw the gig. So what sort of woman are you looking for? Is it Amy Mann, Demanda Gallus? Well, what my question to you is, why are you asking me about all this stuff from 13 years ago? 
because we're just working up here because I was wondering you only have like two more questions until we're done so you got to make it good so pick the next two questions you're gonna do come up with them so pick your two best shots because we're not gonna sit here and, and, and jack off all day well, I, I was curious about Twink, actually, and the song Do It, because uh -huh. Twink is, lives in Vancouver, the guy, he originally did the song, and I looked at your record. Twink the last time I was here. And I looked at the record, and there was no credit to Twink on the Texas Hotel release, Henry. Well, we uh, gave him their publishing. But I didn't notice it on the actual record. No, I really like the version. I like it, Twink's version. It says... Pink Fairies. Not on the one, not in the version I saw on the Texas Hotel, like, the, you know, this, well, the, this EP. It doesn't say Rollins. No, it, do, it doesn't say Rollins or it doesn't say Twink. It doesn't say anything, actually. Well, that's probably a typo, but on the real, on the legal documentation, it would say. Did you recently fire your band through email at all, Henry? No. Because I heard that you've hired a new band called Mother Superior. No, I'm doing... No, remember, you're on your last question. Is that the one you want to ask? Um, no. Well, actually, how about we just run through this one here for a second. The Raw Power Master Tapes. We'll just, you know, see which one. How about we just throw them in? You can put this in my ball cart for a second. How about I put this in yours? I'll put a whole bunch on the table, and you can pick the one you like. It can be like multiple choice, sir, Henry. How about that? Okay. Okay, here's a, here's a remaining question for Henry Rollins. Um, a fan gave you the Master Tapes for Iggy Pop's Raw Power. That, I think, was pretty bizarre. Which Thin Lizzy song do you like better? Running Back or More Than... You know, why would you like running back more in Southbound? Um, in Punk Planet, you always talk about um, how, like, you lived in a shed, but, you know, Greg Jinn says it is the study. I was curious about that. We're curious about your SOA demos, if there's going to be released. I was also curi curious about the best way to bulk up because the salad bars have now been, like, shut down in a lot of places because of the E. coli poisoning. And I was also wondering um, if you ever worked out with Rocky Erickson is all. And I'm also wondering what new tattoos you've got, Henry. And I'm also wondering if you get bigger, if it's a possibility that you'll be able to get more more tattoos actually on your body. So those are the questions that are up there against Henry Rollins because you say I only have one question and maybe you can perhaps pick the ones that you enjoy most or I could recite them again to you, Henry Rollins, here in Vancouver, BC, Canada. Well, you know, I think you got a lot of energy and the fact that you you put all that together, I got to respect the effort. And I, it's power bar for you too. No, no thanks. Okay. But um, I respect uh, that you put in all the time, so I'll try and address some of it. The raw power tapes were stolen. And uh, we recovered them for Iggy in uh, Belgium through friends, and we returned the tape to New York and gave it back to Jim. A fan gave you the raw power tapes. That's wild. No, 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 no. They were in a studio, and we heard about it. And we were in Holland at the time, and we, uh, our guitar player, uh, contacted a friend in Belgium who knew where the location of the tapes were, and we had someone bring them down. And uh, we blue labeled them back to America and we uh, gave them back to Iggy in New York because uh, we've, you know, they shouldn't be stolen. They're his, you know, so they're with him. Uh, let's see. SOA demos. <sighs> Nothing would ever happen with that stuff. I don't even know where those Because they've been are. bootlegged. Some of them are bootleg out there. Sure. Well, let the bootleggers have it. Uh, Rocky Erickson. I couldn't work out with Rocky Erickson. No plans to get any more tattoos. Let's see. The Shed with Greg Ginn. Well... Because it was in Punk Planet Zine, actually, right here, where you, you can, like, like... Oh, sorry for touching you there, but um, right there it goes... Pretty close to the, to the, the goodies there. It to, was, it was. I'm sorry. You're, you're, you're touching my soup can, buddy. I'm sorry about that, uh, Henry Rollins, but it said, it's, it's constructed like a house. It used to be my father's study. Study, Greg Ginn says in his Punk Planet expose. Yeah, it's a... Uh, it's a small cubicle square, 
and it was, uh, was stacked up with Mr. Ginn's paintings and his manuscripts and uh, lots of books and his paintbrushes. And it had a, a door hinged to one of the walls that would fold down into a table with, that could be pushed back up again. And um, I just called it the shed, you know. But uh, it was just this kind of plaster, stucco, moist space. It's still there. So you, it is kind of study then? Yeah, it's like, you know, I, I just called it the shed. I never called it a tool shed or anything. But it was where Mr. Ginn used to sit and write, I guess, and do his paintings. And when I was working on the Ginn's house, me and Dee Boone were building a house for the Ginn's on Owasso Street. Uh, since I was doing so much construction work, they said, well, just, like, you can sleep in there because I have to walk to the to the site every day and work and then go to band practice. So I started living in that in that site uh in that in that shed or study whatever uh in a sleeping bag underneath the desk and I ended up living in there on and off for a couple of years and it was it was uh I was the only one in Black Flag who had his own place to live. Everyone else would like sleep in the practice room, so I had it pretty good. What about the monks? Have they been deleted now from your label Infinite Zero? Because some people at a record store tried to order it. Is what's going on with the monks? It's the great German beat band, the monks, Americans. You put that on your label, which was one of the coolest things. Um, what happened to the record? Has it been deleted now? What's going on with your record label? Well, it's been deleted because Warner's dropped the label. But we're, you know, putting it, putting it, re-releasing it on another label. Do you think the monks will ever come out as a movie? Because I heard it was optioned as a movie, and you'd be great in that movie, Henry, don't you think? I think you'd be really good in that movie, Nardwar. Maybe it's Gary Berger doing Monk Stomp or something like that? I, you know, I think you could play any one of those guys. You know, you have a certain charisma, which, that, which is undoubtedly, you know, no doubt you have a, a lot of charisma. I like the character that you're playing. I like how you can turn it on and turn it off. It's cute. And uh, your closing question. Closing question, fear. Were you there that night when they played in Saturday Night Live? Were, were, were you ever approached to do Saturday Night Live? You've been on the Dennis Miller show tons of times. Well, yes, actually. Um, like, how did Belushi... I was just curious, because, you know, using your knowledge, how did... You know, using your sit-in-my-face Stevie Nicks knowledge, like, how did, you know, Belushi hook up with fear? What kind of knowledge do I have? The Rotters. That was an allusion to the Rotters. You're not being disrespectful to me, are you? No, I was using the Rotters re record, sit-on-my-face Stevie Nicks, which Tom Holliston of No Means No actually knows one of the guys. He's a big fan of him. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do I get to answer the question, or do you, do you want to just talk? No, go ahead, Henry. You just interview yourself. Um, Bellucci lined up Fear and Black Flag to play on Saturday Night Live. And I was in Los Angeles working on the Damage record when uh, my friends from Washington went up there to uh, kind of disrupt the proceedings at SNL. And after Lorne Michaels saw what Fear did, they immediately canceled our slot on Saturday Night Live, so we never got a chance to go. But uh, Bellucci was a fan of ours, and uh, he was a big supporter of both bands, especially Fear, but he liked us too. And he tried to get us on there, because he had a lot of pull there, because he, him being who he is. But uh, it was not to be. And finally, Henry Rollins, would you like better? Boys Next Door, the movie by Penelope Ferris, or Boys Next Door, the band, starring Nick Cave? I prefer the band. All right, well, keep on rocking the free world, Henry. Anything else you'd like to add to the people out there at all? It was wonderful talking to you, and the next time we do an interview, I preferred if you flossed and brushed your teeth because your breath is really intense. Actually, I ate at McDonald's this morning. That's perhaps what's doing that. Thank you for thinking of Well, you like coffee, don't you? Does, does coffee help you poop at all? Henriel?
Hand me this coffee help you poop. I have no idea. Okay, and doot doo do loot do. Henry, doot doo do loot do. I sure am. What exactly is a she-male? Do you have MasterCard or Visa? A she-male is a man proposing as a woman. Can I meet one? Oh, I'm such a freaking naughty, nasty girl. Everything's freaking on. I'm hot just thinking about MasterCard or Visa? Uh, no. Oh, come, baby. in charge of the she-male transvestite company. and Don Chow together doing Gmail. But before that was Henry Rollins versus me, Nardwar to Human Serviette, from August 14th, 1998. All part of 20 years of Nardwar to Human Serviette on CITR Radio. 1987, August, plus a couple days, makes October, plus a couple months, equals... 2007. Yes, 20 years of Nardwari Human Serviette for the next 
20 hours or well not quite well now we've been in actually two and a half hours or so so do the math and if you do a whole bunch of math and you think about dialing digits it's 604-822-2487 604-UBC-CITR if you have any requests if you'd like to hear any interviews I've done or interviews you want me to do in future upcoming weeks or you can email at nardwar at nardwar.com that's n-a-r-d-w-u-a-r dot Calm. Fabian emailed back to request Ian Mackay. That's going to be coming up on an Ardwarty Human Survey Radio Show. Not exactly sure when, but we will be getting to Ian Mackay. But right, well, actually, we have a caller right now. Let's see what we got happening. Hello, are you there? Uh, apparently. Caller, go ahead. You know what I want to hear? What would you like to hear, caller? I would like to hear Anton Newcomb. Oh, Robert Anton Wilson? What? Oh, Anton Newcomb. You mean from uh, Brian... Brian Jonestown. Brian Jonestown. I tried the last couple times, but he only does email interviews now. Read it out. Let's go. Well, oh, so I got to do one. Okay, well, I'll, That'll be okay, well, I guess I'll have to do that and get back to you then. Thank okay, you. You're good. very proactive, caller. I appreciate that. Oh, yeah, you betcha. And do-do-do-do-do. All right. And you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Yes, uh, you could do an email interview, and I guess maybe I should get one. It's time to get the Brian Jonestown Massacre all down there. So an email interview with Brian's Jonestown Massacre is coming up hopefully sometime in a Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show in the future. Yeah, if you have any other requests, Nardwar at nardwar.com 604-822-2487 We are going till 5 p.m. tomorrow, November the 2nd, an Ardwar Human Survey Radio Show. Right now, here is an interview with Crispin Glover, Crispin Hellion Glover, from March the 17th, 1995. Who are you? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> Who am I? I don't know. I'm... Uh... <laughs> Well, my name is Crispin Glover. Crispin Hellion Glover. Crispin Hellion Glover is my whole name, yes. (laughs) When I think of your name lately, I've been, I don't know why, but I've been thinking of OJ's bloody glove. You know, (laughs) Glover, have you been thinking that at all? That hadn't actually crossed my mind, but it's it's an interesting uh, thing to think about. And then also Michael Jackson's famous glove, because you're kind of from, you know, you started acting around 1883, you know, the big Jackson thriller thing. (laughs) I actually started... Uh, acting about 1977. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I, in commercials and stuff, right? Yes, that's right. What type of commercials might have people caught you in in the early days, Crispin Glover? Well, because uh, I just had a big thing on TV, like the greatest commercials of all time. Were you in any of those? I, I doubt it. I doubt it. I didn't actually do that many of them, but uh, I did a, um, a McDonald's commercial and a commercial for Bayer aspirin. And um, did they last long? Like, what McDonald's one was it? Was it was it that people no, running down the mountain? They weren't. They weren't very famous ones, unfortunately. I never made a lot of money on on commercials. The most, the the the, the biggest one that I had was the Bayer aspirin commercial, and that was not a very famous one by any means. Have you ever met Michael Jackson or had any run-ins with him at all? No. Have you ever met the guys from Red Cross? Uh, Jeff and Steve McDonald. I don't think so. 
because I always think of them when I think of you. When I think of you, I think of them, but so forth. The Red Cross huh. guys. Because huh. they once saw Michael Jackson get in a limo. But that's what I was wondering, Crispin. Are you successful? <laughs> well, it all depends on what what uh, one one would be successful at, I suppose. No, but do you feel happy with yourself? Like, are you successful with the way your career is going? Well, you know, it, it, it all it all like I say, it all depends on what 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 I would consider to be successful. I mean, I'm I I have not had a lot of films out lately, but I've had a lot of visibility. And uh, it probably would be a good thing for me to have happen, definitely, right now. What was your break? I mean, obviously, you got to go in that McDonald's commercial, everybody's dream, <laughs> to get in the McDonald's commercial. Was there a break, or what, what made you get into films? What, what was the big thing? There must have been something. Well, uh, um, it, it, I've never really felt that I've had a, a, a particular break. I mean, it's always been kind of a, uh, just certain things have, have come along. Certainly the most uh, visible thing that I've uh, ever done was the Back to the Future uh, film. And, um, uh, but, but it's like I'd been working for quite a few years before I did that as well. Were you frustrated that that would never come? Um, that uh, I would not work? Yeah. Well, I think, I think when I was around 18, I, I questioned what, how I would start acting in film, which is stuff that I wanted to do. Um, do you have a degree at all? No. Because you're no. coming up to Vancouver. This is Crispin Glover. You're coming up to Vancouver on Saturday night for a big slideshow. Um, I've heard you talk before. Well, through friends, I've heard uh, bootleg recordings <laughs> and stuff. No, just joking. But um, you seem to talk very intellectual. <laughs> like, you, do you, have, you don't have no degree to help, you know, spew out those words at all? <laughs> well, no, I, I went to a small private school for about nine years uh, in Los Angeles, and it was a very, a very good school. And... Um, uh, I, then I went went to a public school for a few a few years after that in high school, and um, I, I found that education was not quite as um, not quite as um, good. Basically, it just uh, it, it was quite lacking. So I, I feel like I had a very good. Uh, 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 beginning education. When you broke into the movie scene, well, like you said, in like 1977, you started acting, but, you know, around 1983, your filmography seems to start up, at least in the stuff we've been faxed here. Right. Who were your contemporaries around that time? Who are the people that acted with you, the people that your age, and what are they up to now? <laughs> well, uh, uh... <laughs> you know, like those that Hollywood Brat Pack, Rat Pack, etc. What are your contemporaries up to, and, you know, how have your careers paralleled with them? <laughs> I um I you know I I it's funny because I've I've never really I I've never really felt um, that I've gotten into it's hard for me I mean you I can consider certain people contemporary by my my age by by being the exact same. That's age. what I mean. Like you showed up in an edition. For instance, like you were in that movie High School USA, weren't you? Yeah. Like Todd Bridges was in there. <laughs> I know. And Na Nancy McEwen or whatever her name was. Like you know how like those are kind of contemporaries of yours. How's your you know career parallel those? Because I would say you've done pretty well compared to them. Well, I mean, you the thing is, is you can always compare yourself to somebody, and you you can you can make yourself feel kind of terrible or great by doing so but I, I think it's better to just kind of, you know, figure out what, what it is that you're wanting to try to do and not, not, uh, not necessarily 
try to compare oneself to uh, uh, well come on who were your friends back then I mean are you still your friends now I mean how have their careers differed I'm just curious because like you said you had you know a big break I guess as the Back to the Future movie what other actors you know have had continual breaks that started around the same time as you that's what I was just curious about well, like I say, you see, you're kind of you're kind of gauging it from a different point of view than I am. Um, it's I, I I I was kind of working. I've been working for such a long time that my contemporaries have changed every few years or so. If you, if you mean contemporaries by by the idea of that they're people that are working at the same time as I am, or if you mean by people... On the same set, like you showed up for the McDonald's shoot or whatever for the <laughs> commercial, and there was a guy there, and now he's gone on to something else. Because I would argue, Crispin, because um, the promoter of the gig here, Nettie, said that, you know, you're kind of having a hard time, and you know, I haven't had that many big movies lately, but I would say you were ultra-successful. You're doing this great compared to those other people. Well, I... I, <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, I, um, I, 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 I don't really... I don't really like think of it like that exactly okay what can people expect from crispin hellion glover's big slideshow um well it's uh, i take old books from the 1800s and uh, uh rework them uh and these are slides of the of of the books and uh, I, I narrate them as the the the, uh, the slides go. This is kind of like a Woody Allen thing, where he buys like a foreign movie and redubs it. No, um, no, because the books are are, are definitely my own my own uh, uh, doing. Some of them do use original words from the original books, but um, some of them, all quite a few of them, in fact, most of them. Uh, are, are really just kind of written by myself. And a lot of them are based in, like, the 1800s, aren't they? They have that 1800s kind of theme to them? You're kind of totally into that? Yeah, well, uh, they're, they're, uh, most of the books are taken from the 1800s uh, because, I, yeah, I do like that time, but also um, for publishing, it, it works out well. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're in copy. They're not in copyright infringement because of the time period. Have you ever heard of a band from San Francisco called the Carolina Rainbow at all? No. Because they're totally obsessed by the 1800s, too, or that kind of era. They have oh. neat kind of, like, hand-designed record album covers. Oh. A friend of mine actually saw your um, performance in Olympia. Oh, you did a slide performance. Is that going to be the same thing that's going to be happening yes. here? Yes, that's right. He kind of commented that some of the audience, and how do you perceive this, that some of the audience was laughing, like, at you rather than with you. I, I I don't I don't feel like that. I feel that the um, the laughs in the show. Uh, I've done the show quite a few times now, and they stay pretty consistent as to where they are. And they're generally with um, they're they're about the same things. They're, 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 it's pretty evident that they are laughing at the things that are within the um, within the context of the books. So you've never like jumped in the audience and started to punch somebody out because they got you mad or something. No, no. The audiences have always been really quite receptive. It's always been uh, uh, everybody seems to have enjoyed it quite a bit. Are you going to show your film Reuben and Ed at all? Um, no, not on this uh, show, no. I was just wondering if you could give listeners a, just a brief plot synopsis of Ruben and Ed, since a lot of people haven't seen it, but it's such an amazing film. Please, Mr. Glover? <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, First uh, it has Howard Hessman, so it's got to be great from WKRP, right? <laughs> well, I... Uh, <laughs> Ruben and Ed is a, a story about... Uh, 
of two fellows that go out into the desert to um, try to bury a dead cat. Did you use an actual dead cat? No. No, we didn't. <laughs> we did not do that. Um, but you do have an eyeball specimen collection, don't you? Um, like you are fascinated by things kind of dead or innate. Well... Well, uh, th- there's two different questions there. I uh, I don't have a actually have an eyeball collection. That's that's something that kind of got into to press. That that isn't true. I guess I shouldn't have been reading Spin magazine from 1987. <laughs> um, uh, but I I do have an old um, optometrist's uh, piece from the 1800s. That was a, a medical piece, which um, which has. A, uh, wax portions of the face that include the eye and that has various diseases of the eye. And uh, I, I do tend toward liking um, uh, medical, old medical books and such that, that contain various uh, pathological um, interests. Are you into like crime scene photography at all from the 1920s? There was a book recently published called Evidence. There's well, some neat pictures of crime scenes. Well, I, I, um, it, it's funny. I, I, uh, I've always tended toward liking pathology more than, than crime scenes. I, 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 something about the, uh, the, the nature of, uh, <clears throat> of the, the actual, uh, growth of, of uh, the disease that, that comes from the, the animal uh, that is ensuing <laughs> upon the, uh, uh, the other animal, or, or if there's some kind of malformation that naturally occurs from the genetic makeup. I, I find more of a beauty in that than necessarily the, um, uh, the actions of outside forces. But but I I I I I I find both of them interesting. So Chris Crispin Hellion Glover, why were Reuben and Ed Republicans? <laughs> well, I uh, I didn't actually write it, so I I couldn't I couldn't tell you for certain. I guess I have my own reasons, but I could never say. Did you actually drink from your boot in the movie Reuben and Ed? Um, no. And uh, why hasn't the Orkley Kid been released? Um, there's, uh, there's some stuff that would have to be done with, um, music, uh, rights. What projects are you working on right now, Crispin Hellion Glover, who is coming to Vancouver? You are coming to Vancouver on Saturday night to the New York Theater, aren't you? <laughs> to do, to, to, oh, yes. First time to Vancouver, BC, Canada? Yes. Never been to Vancouver, BC, Canada. You got yes. to go to the New York Theater, like the York, get it? Like the New York Theater. That's where we are Saturday night. This is Crispin Hellion Glover. And what projects, like, slash movies are you working on right now? Well, the, the last uh, f- uh, film that I was in is uh, a film that uh, Jim Jarmusch has directed called uh, Dead Man. And is that scheduled for release? What's that about? Is that exciting? Do you ha- are you happy with it? I haven't, uh, I haven't seen it yet, uh, and I'm, I'm not quite sure when it's supposed to be released. Did you ever meet Andy Warhol yourself? I, I did. Um, didn't Beck, you know that singer Beck, didn't he hang out with Andy Warhol, or didn't his mom hang out with what, Andy Warhol? I don't know. When did you meet Warhol? Uh, I met him at uh, Madonna and Sean Penn's wedding. Um, and was that the first time you'd actually encountered him? Had you ever seen him around before? Were you yeah. in, intrigued by the Warhol mystique? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, that was the that was the the first and only time I ever saw him. You just recently directed, according to your credits here, Crispin Hellion Glover, Captain's Log, <laughs> a documentary short on pornographic Star Trek fantasies. <laughs> 
Uh, a fanzine, actually. It was a fa- oh, explain. Captain's Log. <laughs> well, well, it's it's a, actually it's something I should I probably shouldn't fax that thing out because unfortunately it was something that uh, uh, was not uh, releasable because of uh, uh, legal uh, problems. But uh, it is something that I made. I'm, I'm excited about something I'm supposed to direct in, in about a, a month, a short uh, film uh, that uh, is all with Down syndrome people. I'm excited about that. Um, did you ever consider hiring Eric Estrada or Aldo Ray to like perhaps participate in something like Captain's Log? Because they've been dabbling in soft porn for years. <laughs> No, this isn't. It isn't soft porn. It's uh, well, I guess it is. It's it is soft porn. The, it's because uh, Eric Estrada drawings though. They're not. They're not uh, films. Because a lot of those actors are kind of you know they're down and out and they're looking for some you know cash and you could have probably got you know the chips guy to do something. <laughs> I mean, gosh, he's doing bad religion videos. He could at least do something with you. <laughs> well, this particular thing was a uh, a documentary on on people that actually do this. Um, have you ever seen anything by director Andy Sidaris at all? No. He does like movies like Hard Ticket to Hawaii or Seven. Hmm, I don't know that. Um, have you ever been approached, Crispin, Helly, and Glover, to do a porno film? No, <laughs> I haven't. But according to your 1989 Restless LP, you are a masturbator. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Explain that, please, Crispin, Helly, and Glover. Well, I think I think the song is is self evident. <laughs> Where is Nancy Sinatra today? Um, I I don't know. <laughs> is she still alive? Because you covered these boots are made for walking. Right. I I don't know. <laughs> Have you had any run-ins with old school Hollywood mafioso types at all? Um. Old school Hollywood uh, mafia. <laughs> you know, like big kind of Sinatra-ish, you know, old no. school mafiosa types. No, I haven't. Are you the 1990s version of Mort Saul? <laughs> I don't think so. What happened to Mort Saul? I don't know. Is he still alive? I don't know. Do you know. care about him at all, Crispin Hellion Glover? <laughs> well, I, no, he, he did political humor in the 70s, didn't he? I'm not that familiar with Mort Saul. I think he got banned by Ed Sullivan or something like that. Oh. But I'm not going to get any closer to the Sullivan illusions, I promise. Are you into Dolomite? <laughs> Have you heard of Dolomite? Yeah, I, I, I like Dolomite. So are you the 1990s version of Dolomite, Crispin <laughs> Hellion Glover? Uh, well, I, I, I don't think so, but, but you, never, you never really know. I never, I never really think of myself as being versions of people. And if you want to see what Crispin Hellion Glover is, go and check out the New York Theater on Saturday night for Crispin Hellion Glover's big slideshow. Now, has hanging around Uma Thurman given you any good Timothy Leary stories? <laughs> I, um... I, I know that uh, he is her, her godfather. <laughs> okay, but um, as hanging around Uma Thurman giving you any good Timothy Leary stories, Crispin, Helly, and Glover? <laughs> I'm sure everybody's got a Timothy Leary story, don't not, they? Not really. No, I, I don't have any good Timothy Leary stories. I've seen him around a lot in various places, but... Uh, uh, no particular uh, stories. <laughs> you did act in the movie Teachers, though, right? Yes. And that featured Royal Dano. Yeah, that's right. He's an amazing character, isn't he? Well, I, you know, I, I, I remember him, and he was a, a very nice fellow, kind of a quiet fellow. And I, uh, the, but I don't know his career that well. I know he had done something that 
The Seven Faces of Dr. Lau, and he'd been in, like, he played Abe Lincoln. He'd been in, like, in 75 right. films and stuff. Yeah, yeah, he'd worked a lot. And, uh, yet I wasn't that familiar with his work. So you didn't hang out with him at all? No, no, he was kind of quiet, and I think I, I, his wife was there. That was a long time ago. Ever He's like in, a nice fellow. Ever run into James Kahn's son? No. He's always in, like, the tabloids with, like, two girls around his arms and stuff like that. Seems like a real jerk, James Kahn's son. <laughs> Not that you would hang around jerks, Crispin, Halley, and Clever, but you're coming to Vancouver to hang out with Vancouver on Saturday night at the New York Theatre. And guess who's from Vancouver? Who? Guess who's from Vancouver? Your old acting buddy. Who? Your old acting buddy, Crispin, Halley, and Clever, Michael. Oh, <laughs> that's right. He is from me. I, did, I knew he was from Canada. I didn't know he was from uh, Vancouver in particular. Actually, Burnaby, I think, specifically. But Michael J. Fox is your old acting buddy, Crispin Hellion Glover. Can you tell Vancouver anything about him? Come on, tell him. <laughs> tell the real, what is the real Michael J. Fox, you Crispin Hellion Glover? I, it's funny. I, I worked with him several times, but I never really, I never really had a, much of a conversation or anything with him. I, I, don't, I don't know him very well. You know, no little intimate, little kind of little teasers of, you know, Vancouver deserves to know about <laughs> Michael J. Fox. You can, you know, tell us. I, 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 I would, but I really, there really isn't, I just, I don't know that fellow very well. I, uh, I just, uh, I worked with him, but I, I never really got to know him at all. No, didn't you appear on Family Ties? Yeah. What I was did. your part? You're playing like a college guy who was worried his family would find out that he was out for dinner? <laughs> I recall. I think so, yes. What sort of TV and sitcoms have you done, Crispin, Haley, and Glover? Well, I did one when I was 16, a pilot, which was very, very bad. And um, uh, that was that was the first, like, kind of... Uh, like television thing that I had done and then uh, well other than commercials and then I did a few different uh, of those um, like three camera shows and I never really enjoyed it very much and then I did one one uh, a television movie um, a kind of a comedy movie I, I never really enjoyed doing television very much you never did a white shadow or anything like that no no I didn't I the only drama I recall that I did was um, blue was it? Uh, I'm, I can't remember the name of it now. Blue. Yeah. It was. It was one of those police shows, and I can't remember. New what York it, City Blue or something like that. Yeah, I can't remember what it was called though. I, and it was one of the things, one of the performances of myself that I've never seen. I kind of rec- would like to see that one actually. So people should search out Family Ties. Are you on, on TV infrequently, like in the syndication? Do you ever flip it on and see yourself doing a part from an old TV? No, I've never had that happen. You did work, though, with Mrs. Brady? Yeah. That was my my very first uh, job when I was uh, 14. I was, uh, well, my first, uh, actually, I I had done one commercial, and then I did The Sound of Music when I was 14 at the... With, with Florence Henderson playing Maria. No, please, like Greg Brady, you did not get it on with Mrs. <laughs> no. Brady, did you? No, but he did come to the show, I remember. What, they all hang out together? Well, he, he definitely came and saw the show and came backstage, I recall that. So Mrs. Brady is a contemporary of yours. <laughs> I, I, I guess you could say so. I've always been fascinated by that guy Oliver. You know that guy Oliver who yeah, was on the Brady's? Yeah, no, I do. I always... I, 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 I always kind of thought Oliver was interesting, too. Because, like, he's only 29 now. Really? 29 or 30. Huh. And how old are you, Crispin, Haley, and Glover? 30. 30, so you could have been Oliver on the Brady Bunch. I know. Instead, you met up a few years later with Florence <laughs> Henderson. That's right.
Um, did having your number printed in Spin Magazine bring you many Canadian friends? Well, uh, um, I have noticed that the people do call from Canada and have always called from Canada for some particular reason. That actually wasn't my home telephone number. That was a, a number which I used for um, promoting the books. So why did you tell Spin your number? Was it just kind of like a neat promotional toy? Exactly. It was a, it was something to promote the books. Can you tell the listeners your new phone number at all, Crispin, <laughs> Helene, Glover? No, I don't give that one out. There's no information number you can give out? Um, yeah, they can call... Uh, they can call that same number. Uh, 213-464-5053? Yeah. That's or they the... can call 310-391-4154. Again, Crispin, Haley, and Glover, please tell the listeners of CITR Radio, and you're coming to Vancouver this Saturday night to New York Theatre, the special <laughs> phone numbers that they can ta- contact you through. 310-391-4154. Or... Uh, 213-464-5053. Did you ever answer the phone when those phone when the phone rang there? Or was it basically just answering machine? It was an answering machine. So you never answered it once? No. But people did kind of scale and try to find your apartment yeah. when, you, when you gave out your address of your apartment. I didn't give out my address, but people did find out where I lived. Um, describe your apartment, Crispin, Helene and Glover. Oh, well, that, uh, it, was, it was a neat apartment up at the top of a, a, a building, uh, and it was uh, painted all... Uh, as I liked it, uh, in various uh, colors, dark and, and bright. Black walls? There were black walls, and there were gold walls, and all different colors. And a gynecological ta- <laughs> exam table? Well, it was a medical chair. I still have the medical chair. Um, I'm not sure if it was a gynecological chair. But it was a medical, uh, stainless steel medical table. Uh, you know, I, I hate to, to do this. I'm enjoying this interview, but I, I have an appointment I have to be at at 10.30. Okay, Crispin, Helen, Clever. Well, we just have two quick more questions okay. here. Um, do, do you live in that apartment? You don't live in that apartment now, but is your apartment black at all? Is it all black walls still? I, I bought a house, and uh, I'm, I, I've been slow to uh, redecorate. Um, I am planning to start doing some more painting of that nature though I think I, I just have I'm being a bit more careful about about this one it's a, it's a, ho- a house and I want to make it uh, perfect and do you have a coffin filled with tar too no, I have um, I have a lot of art objects that were made to look as though they were tar and what do you think is so great about Kelbo's potato salad <laughs> I, I you know Kelbo's closed down a couple of years ago. I was disappointed uh, that, that it did. It's an I, amazing club in L.A., isn't it? Well, it's... I, I was going there when I was 16. I was always afraid that it would become a club, and then it kind of did, and I stopped going. I liked it when it... Um, when it used to play old music from the 40s and old people would go and dance. and I, I, But unfortunately, the whole place is closed now. Just recently? Yeah, just within the last year. And finally, who did you play in Wild at Heart? Um, I played the cousin of uh, Laura Dern. And what's David Lynch up to now? You recently did a movie with him? Um, or you did a movie with him, Hotel Room? Oh, I did Hotel Room with him. I've, I've worked with him a couple of times. I'm excited about something that um, he's... Uh, well, I, I don't want to say too much about it, but there's something that he's agreed to, to, to do uh, for me that I'm very excited about. So he's still happening and doing films? Yeah, I think he's being... Uh, uh, I think he's working on 
various projects. I'm not sure exactly what they are, though. And Crispin Hellion Glover, your dad is not Danny Glover, is it? No. <laughs> but what does your dad do? My father is an actor. And um, what was was he in all those cool psychotronic '60s movies? Um, he did a more uh, '70s films. He was in Diamonds Are Forever and Chinatown. Um, uh, but I, 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 I'm, I'm truly enjoying this interview, but I, I unfortunately really do have to go. Okay, well, thanks so much, Crispin Helen okay. Glover. And um, check out Crispin Helen Glover this Saturday night at the New York Theater. <laughs> and Crispin, do-do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> well, thanks. Crispin, do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> Crispin Hellion Glover, do 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 do. I don't know what you're doing. No, you just gotta add. Don't you get it? Do 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 do. Crispin, do 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 do. You want me to go do do? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Okay, walk on. All right. Thanks very much. Okay. Okay. So uh, yeah, I hope people come out this Saturday night, New York Theater. Thanks a lot. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. And you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show Retrospective, October 1987 till October 2007. 20 years of the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show and 20 hours of me playing stuff from the past 20 years going till 5 p.m. tomorrow, Friday. And you just heard an interview with Crispin Glover from March 17th, 1995. And we have a caller. Hello. Are you there, caller? I am here. How the hell are you? I'm, I'm great, Nardwar. How are you? Fine. Who the hell are you? It's Aaron Chapman, better sometimes known as A.O. Chapman. Hello. Speaking with you now. Hello, A.O. Chapman. How's it going? A.O. Speaking. This is 20 years of the Nardwar Human Service Show. How many hours in are you now on the show? We are about three hours in. We started at long nine and it's There's almost of, midnight. Long way to go. There's a lot of hockey left. Well, actually, you know what's coming up? William Cooper is is coming up. William Cooper. Oh, yeah. I remember us uh, doing that interview with, with him way back when. Yeah, maybe give a bit of background. Who are you, A.O. Chaman, and how do you tie into this retrospective? Because, ironically, over the past 20 years, you've been on my show, and we've played the same interview over and over again. Like, we have done a 20-year retrospective without even really knowing that yeah, we're doing a 20-year retrospective. In fact, it's been meditated not even by us either, has it? That's true. That's true. It's, uh, I was uh, at CITR back in the day in the mid-90s, uh, or early 90s, pardon me, when I was uh, a UBC student, and I was the promotions director there for, for a bit, for a year, I think, there, and then I was also in a band called The Real McKenzie's during this period. And um, I wrote for Discorder under the name A.O. Chapman as well. And that's how I got the name A.O. Chapman, because Chapman. you are A.O. Chapman. Yes, but indeed. While well, you're at CITR, though, something happened on May 15th, 1992. <laughs> 1992, A.O. Chapman. Jeez, going back, eh? And actually, listeners of the Nardwarder Human Radio Show have heard us reinforce this yeah. year after, actually every year since 92. Well, we've, that, that initially was heard... And then so many people uh, responded to it. 
It kept getting hurt again. Same thing with the Ellison. Uh, and, you know, that, well, that's what I meant. That's what you were referring that's to. Yeah, yeah. yeah, what are we referring to? Like, we're we're, referring, we're, we're in referring fact, to... we've talked about this so much on CITR, yeah. we don't even have to tell people what we're talking we about. Shouldn't. Because if they've listened, they know exactly what we're talking exactly. about. And we're not talking about get in the bed, although no. we've talked about that that's over and over story. again. That's but what story. are we talking about here that happened on May 15th, 1992? Now, does the we, Cooper one, too? We can mention that, yeah. too. But May 15th, 19. That was the interview with Harlan Ellison, the science fiction writer. And as I remember it, you had the interview coming up, and I was in the station that day, and we were chatting. No, you had the interview coming up. No, I thought, or was it me? Or? Yes, it was oh, your interview. It was you to do it. No, let's not get our facts wrong. We've been rehearsing this oh, okay. for 15 right. years. Okay, so it was me that had to do it, but I asked you to help me with it. That was somehow it. We go, somehow we decided to team up on this caper, and uh, I neither of us knew a thing really about Harlan Ellison. Uh, we weren't devotees of his work, I should say, or anything like that, but uh, Ellison is a person with a sizable ego who does not normally speak to people who know nothing about him. Now, why would I want to speak to him? You're like, would you like to speak to Harlan Ellison? Why would I be interested? For I, one reason. For one reason, because he wrote the, the Star Trek episode with Joan Collins uh, in, in, uh, in that one. He wrote a bunch of science fiction The books. episode of Star he was Trek. In a commercial that we talked about at the time, and, he, and I wanted to see what he... I thought I could sort of needle him on that and find out what he was doing, you know, because it was a fairly commercial enterprise to, for him to appear in a car commercial as a futurist science fiction writer or something like that. But he didn't... He said, oh, it's a great car. And he was, anyway, anyway... It was Harlan Ellison's association with Star Wars, Star Trek that got me really into it. Yes. Not Space in 1999 because he got all no, he mad got about mad. that. He got mad about that. I, I mad about because he wrote the episode of Star Trek that featured Spock wearing... A toque. Wearing a toque. Wearing a toque. That's what put it over the edge. That's what wearing a toque, A.O. Jamin. You got it. And uh, anyway, we did the interview with him, and uh, we were asking him, well, I mean, if you're going to play the interview now, I don't want to give too much away, but in turn, we asked him about Rick Griffin, uh, the Grateful Dead artist, and he unfortunately did not know that Griffin had just passed away, and we were the bearers of bad news, unfortunately. Uh, I... Ellison was, I think, kind of enjoying the, 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 the thrust and parry of the interview up until that point. But then, in hindsight now, he could have just said, you know what, fellas, I just heard some bad news, and it's not your guys' fault, but I'm just not ready to do the interview anymore. Thanks for your time. He and did it, actually say that. And then he said, but he could, we could pick things up again in a few minutes if we could just... And, of course, us being eager CITRs, we're, we're going to phone him right back. You got it. And the only reason we brought up Rick Griffin is he died, and we thought, well, we'd ask about him in honor of him. We didn't know that he knew him. He was just a counterculture figure or whatever with all the great art. He was an artist, Rick That's Griffin, right. the Grateful Dead artist. That's so right. we were just trying to put two and two together, exactly. just throwing everything out there. There was no intention of no. that at all, was there? You got it. Anyway, so when Ellison eventually came to Vancouver and... Uh, what he was, the interview was in connection with a, uh, the spoken word lecture he was doing uh, in Vancouver at the time. He mentioned us to the audience uh, and specifically said you that he was, uh, you know, he, did, he was upset with, a, you know, he didn't like either of us and, and we had uh, purposefully attacked him and this and that. The interview shows otherwise. Well, however, some uh, Ellison fans and those Ellison fans that are out there who are hardcore Ellison fans who stay on Ellison's side have come out on the internet at various times to attack us still <laughs> 15 years later 15 years later and all i can say is listen to the tape and and you'll hear you know we did not uh, we weren't out to get him or anything like that 
And as I say, in the beginning of the interview, I think you know he he was on an interview junket. He had done thirty other interviews that day. We were obviously coming at him from a different angle right from the get go. But I think he enjoyed it. I think he was enjoying it up to that. It was a different thing. He knew what it was. Okay, this is these are you know some college radio guys are doing something different here. It was up until that point that fulcrum when you asked him about Rick Griffin that changed things. But we did not. Uh, we would have been happy to end things there. He eventually said we can pick things up. And then he, he, was, uh, he was in a cantankerous mood. Now, Ellison is famously known for his aggressive uh, and, and stance towards most of media and reporters. Uh, not enough for him to not appear in a car commercial or anything like this. But uh, uh, for a guy who's been mollycoddled by the same probably six people and living in a world of like, like Howard Hughes or something, just you know, dealing with people, yes-men, around him all the time, I think he was not prepared for what happened that day. But as I say, it was not a malicious thing. We were just, uh, unfortunately, the Bears are bad news, and he, he blamed us for the rest of it. And this hopefully will be the last time. I, I, exactly. I guess maybe at the Nardwar 30th anniversary well, just for radio show, thing. when yeah. I go for 30 hours yeah. straight, yeah. when I go for 30 hours straight, because you were on, actually, A.O., the Nardwar 11 anniversary show. That's right. The 11th anniversary show, talking about this. But a few months ago, you were on the Nardwar Human uh, yeah. Show. Within this year, because it was brought up by Ellison Devotes, who posted at the Nard Nest. Yes. That's nardnest.com, yeah, a part your, of nardwar.com. Yeah, on your, just via your site. What were the points that they brought up, though, now? Because didn't you agree with one of them? What was going on there? And I apologize, A.O., because it's like late night. I'm like looking at the internet, and I see, oh, my God. So, like, I send you an email. And you're involved in, like, a heavy dis- Discourse with these people. There's a lot of typing. Fifteen years after the fact. <laughs> yeah, I wrote a lengthy letter as a response uh, on our behalf. You know, on our behalf uh, towards that, and I figured I silenced. Uh, I don't know if that's still that. Is that link still on the Nardnest.com site? It still might be there. It might still be there. I, I suggest look it up if you buy your inter- if you buy your computer now. Check on the internet and yeah, see check it. out Nardnest.com yeah. and then hit search. You may actually have to click into Old Nest, right. 2001 to 2005, because it may be somehow in there. But I'm pretty sure it's at Nardnest.com. And if anybody has any requests of interviews, do you'd like me to play? Maybe you've heard from the past. 20 years, or interviews you'd like us to do, me and AO to do, in upcoming weeks that we've never done. I had a request, that would be good. I had a request AO from do you John- remember? Do you remember the time that we went to the ESP fair down at Canada Place? We filmed that. Yes, we did, with Duncan. We met a guy called Duncan. Yeah. One of the many who, adventures. Who I, who I uh, subsequently saw uh, with a, uh, introduced to talking to the media with a different name, and he was dressed uh, like full a Jap- ar- in full army fatigue. He, well, he was dressed in army fatigues then, but on another time he was in like samurai clothing. Um, Basically, you're saying when you interview somebody on CITR, the image sticks in your mind and you never forget it. You got it. And also, you're never allowed to forget it. <laughs> people will hound you yes. for like 15 years. We've had some requests. We had a request. Steve- Stephen asked about Johnny Chance. Asked about if I had any U-Jerk interviews. U-Jerks, yeah. Any, I have not done any U-Jerk interviews. I have met Rodney Graham a few times. Maybe that is something I should investigate in. Do you have any U-Jerk stories at all? Well, and David who are Wisdom the, was in the and U-Jerk. Who are the, as well? What's that? David Wisdom was in the U-Jerk. David Wisdom. Kind of a, he was the sort of utility, sort of fifth beetle in that band or something, wasn't he? I, I can't recall. 
Yes, he was. He yeah. like sat on the couch in a band photo. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I don't have any. I don't have. I think I have any Ujerk stuff. But there are opportunities for people to email in at Nardwar yes. at Nardwar dot com if you have any requests or six zero four eight two 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 four eight seven at six zero four U B C C I T R if you have any requests. Now, also coming up after this, Harlan Ellison will be William Cooper. Just quickly, this will be a bit later in an hour or two. Right. But we're gonna have an interview. With William Cooper. William Cooper. And this is interesting because this kind of tells how things worked in the age pre-internet. You got it. What happened, Ao? You walked into CITR one day. I told you about this guy. I had been passed a document uh, called Behold a Pale Horse. And when you say document, I'm talking like photocopied stuff that was it, handed out. It was it, like classic yeah. that people would hand out photocopied stuff. Yeah, it was It was a Xerox. It was, it was a pamphlet uh, that uh, talked about, it was passages from... Cooper's book, uh, Behold a Pale Horse, and Cooper, William Cooper, the late William Cooper, I should add, was a uh, UFO studier, and he had, um, I can't, off the top of my head, I can't recall his, uh, his academic background or, or his military background, but he had been involved in the various uh, top-secret military programs, or at least so he claimed, and said that at one point the uh, aliens had, uh, made, when they, the Roswell connection they entered an agreement with uh, the NATO countries that uh, NATO would supply uh, human beings for these aliens to harvest. And in return, uh, the aliens would hand over some uh, technology. Now, as fanciful and as crazy as this sounds, uh, Cooper uh, tied in a lot of things that certainly made it sound like it added up. If it, was, if it was a fanciful story, it was a hell of a story. In fact, at one point, they talked about how, because the aliens were capable of time travel, they had gone back to the crucifixion and filmed the crucifixion and then brought that back and played that to uh, Roosevelt, at, uh, and, uh, or, or pardon me, Harry S. Truman, who was the president at the time. And it was an amazing story. It was crazy. This is all before the Internet, where you could, before you couldn't go look up somebody's page or a Wikipedia listing or something like this. Where did you get that document? Uh, I got it from, um, I just got it from a friend that was passed, it was passed on to me who had been doing some UFO book reading, uh, as, uh, you know, as, as I remember. And uh, so we ended up talking uh, to Cooper. And uh, Cooper eventually, to jump forward ahead, you'll play the interview when you listen to that. But later on, Cooper was uh, involved, was killed in a shootout with federal agents uh, at his home, I believe in Arizona or New Mexico, somewhere in the southwest. And um, and that and and that's a that the the story gets even stranger. That and a lot of uh, people who are interested in libertarian politics, uh, William Cooper is a very well-known name now. But back back then, no one was talking about William Cooper, and we broke. William Cooper and the and his story and the, and the the crazy uh, life and times of William Cooper on the Nardwar the Human Serviette Show on CIT Radio. Well, that's an amazing story, Ao. <laughs> but we have to mention Ron of the band Cats Game yes. because remember Ron of the band Cats Game approached me just like after you read the document and he got a hold of William Cooper and then William Cooper phoned into my show and then remember Ron ended up dying a Ron, few years after that. Was it a suicide? They said. It was a suicide, but do you kill yourself with an exacto knife to your Adam's apple? 
that is kind of a strange way. It, so it, it, they think he might have been. There are all sorts of black cats that crossed our path with that story. Didn't it? Wasn't there? It was weird. So you will hear this interview with two people that are actually dead: William Cooper and Ron of Cats Game. So the interview really goes out of him because Ron was really cool that he arranged that whole interview. Remember yeah. when he got us to do that interview? Like we all did it all together there, yes, A.O. Right, Chapman. That's right. Remember Ron had the number written down on a piece of paper, and after the interview, he had to burn the number. Yeah, that's he right. He had to burn the scrap, of the piece of paper yeah. that had William Cooper's phone number on. And that's coming up probably in about two hours. Then there'll also be an interview with Bill Casing, who said that the moon landing was faked. I don't know if you ever heard that interview that I did. Uh, I believe I did, yeah. And then Bill Lynn was a guy. Bill Lynn, yes. Bill, Bill Lyne. He was the guy that we both interviewed as well. Do you remember him? He was basically how to build a UFO. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. And his thing he was, was interesting. And he was interesting because, remember, he was saying he actually saw Jesse James and stuff like this. That's right. I do recall that. that when he was we were, and, and he just slid that in on the side, too, didn't he, as I remember. And also... And we were stunned and shocked by this. And also, in between there, there will be an interview with Al the Tongue Goldstein from Screw Magazine. Screw Magazine. Infamous character. And then... Is he still alive? I'm not... I know he's gone broke, that's for sure. Right. And then we'll end that little late-night segment with the Avengers featuring Penelope Houston, and we'll be joined by Zippy Pinhead, oh, Brad, great. Brad Kent, all sorts of people. What can you say about the Avengers, you know, those type of punkers from uh, Zippy's Vancouver? Got some, Zippy's got great stories about the Avengers. I'm, I'm going to completely... Uh, I, but he, I've had many uh, discussions with him in various Vancouver bars of him telling me some great stories about that. Uh, so I, I'm going to totally leave de- defer to him on that one. So we got the conspiracy, we got the sex, and we got the punk rock you coming up a bit later on a Nardwarty Human Serviette. 20 years! 20 years! Now, 20 uh, years <laughs> and this will be the last time that we talk about That's Harlan right. Ellison until the 30th. Or should we have a 25th? Maybe a 25th. 25th is kind of a golden number, so that's a good idea. It seems so soon, we'll, though. We'll hopefully do. 25 seems maybe so Maybe we can do some new interviews and stuff like that that will be equally as legendary. We've tried since <laughs> I've been out of town. I've been out of town a lot, though. That's a problem. And I don't, I don't get to see you as much as I used to. Like, we, we, we peaked with our interviews together in 1993. Yeah. William Cooper <laughs> well, and Harlan Ellison there. I, you were at CITR full-time, and I was a student at UBC then, so we saw a lot of one another at those, those early 90s years. So, A.O. Chapman, coming up here, we have an interview with Harlan Ellison. Yes. And this interview is from May 15th, 1992. What are you doing now, A.O. Chapman? Again, who are you? What are you doing? I am I am a... Uh, like, only, let's catch up with you. Sure. I am... I'm, uh, I work uh, as a f- uh, freelance writer on the Van- uh, at the Vancouver Courier, and there's some stories that uh, some people may have read it, uh, on the Vancouver Courier, vancourier.com. You can look at some back issues and a few stories I've read it, uh, I've written. Uh, you also did a story on Vancouver's gigs Ca- early gigs at the Carisdale Arena. Yes, the-, the first rock and roll gig at the Carisdale Arena. The first rock and roll gig ever in uh, in at least well, at least Western Canada, maybe all of Canada. Bill Haley and the Comets. Bill right? Haley and the Comets, and then uh, the early concerts with uh, the Clash and. Uh, Peter Tosh and stuff like that ha- that happened in the early 80s at the Carousel Arena. And people may wonder about the Carousel Arena. They always thought that the last concert was what at the Carousel Arena? Uh, that the last concert was uh, Motorhead. But it wasn't, it was, was it? It was not. It was actually uh, EMF. EMF. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. That's like... Unbel- in, it is unbelievable. <laughs> in, in true CITR yeah. fashion, you think Motorhead ends Carousel no, Arena. It no, it doesn't have that great it's an epitaph. EMF. As but well. for all intents and purposes, the Motorhead show ended the uh, uh, the, the series of concerts at, uh, at that time. That that uh, uh, Riley O'Connor from Periscope was involved with uh, then 
when Periscope was just starting out, which eventually became, you know, Universal Concerts and then House of Blues Concerts Canada and now Live Nation. And Riley O'Connor is now the, you know, the head of Live Nation Canada. So this guy that was just putting on shows at the Carolina Arena is now one of the heads of the industry in Canada. Interesting story with him. And you also have some musical music, ability, yes, too. Active, Please mention that. Still active music. I uh, play with a band called Bocephus King, and I was, on, I was on tour all summer with a band called The Town Pants, who are playing... That you're on the you? 20, you're on the twentieth anniversary. We are doing the tenth anniversary show at the Commodore Ballroom on Saturday, November twenty fourth. You can look at the www.thetownpants.com for more info or uh, Commodore websites and stuff like that. And I will do something here right now. Here in Narnware, we haven't talked about this. This is completely off the cuff. This is crazy. If you want to give away two tickets to the show on air sometime tonight, if somebody calls in, then you can email me the names. Once you've talked to them, or they ring, or they call in, and you can give a couple of tickets away because I know I can probably pull that off. Will do. That's six zero four eight two 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 four eight seven. Also on the bill, Swank, great cow punk band, local music night with Run GMC as well, and uh, of course the Town Pants. Well, A.O. Chapman, thank you so much for updating us on what's happening these days with you. We yes. really appreciate it. And also, thanks for letting us revisit Harlan Ellison. My so, pleasure. So coming up here, Harlan Ellison. From May 15th, 1992, A.O. Chapman, me, Nardwarta Human Serviette. And again, we have just, we've heard all these interviews so far. We've heard Crispin Glover, Henry Rollins, Sonic Youth, Lydia Lunch, Iggy Pop, Alice Cooper. And we started with Dave Gregg of DOA. Me I met Dave Gregg in New York, Well, I'm, and I just met him here in Vancouver. What is Dave Gregg up to nowadays? Dave Gregg is, oddly enough, playing with the Real McKenzie's. Uh, these days. I met him in New York when I was on tour with the Real McKenzie's out there for the first time. Uh, Dave, from, of course, has been very well known to Vancouver audiences from uh, DOA and whatnot, but he was living in New York when I first met him. And uh, a very nice guy. Really, really and he was one of the first people that I ever interviewed. Wow. That, and that kicked off the Nardwarty Human Serviette 20 year, 20 hour marathon. And Ail Chapman, again, hopefully we won't have to bring this up for another 10 years. But <laughs> well, here, it's a pleasure to have been on your anniversary show. Well, it's a, well you're on it whether you like it or not. <laughs> and you're going to be on a bit later with William Cooper as I'm well. Keep what a lineup. William Cooper, Al Goldstein, Bill Casing, Bill Line, all together. And this was pre-Art Bell, too, some of this, right? <laughs> hey, you got it. That's, uh, it's really fun when we do the shows like this now. When people phone up now, they go, hey, and they say to the guest, you should go on Art Bell. That's what they say yeah, a lot right. of times. They yeah, tell yeah. they like leave our show and then go to. We say our show because basically the Nardwuar Human Serviette is show is it your is, it show. It is the people's show. Yes, <laughs> it is. It is the people's, it is the people's show. show. And, they, the people and, have and they have demanded fifteen years later to yeah, hear. You got it. Harlan Ellison again. Background on who is Harlan Ellison in case people are just joining. Science us. fiction writer, a uh, very famous science fiction writer who's run, uh, run a one. Pardon me, a couple of uh, Nebula awards, which are the science fiction writing awards, and um, a, a figure of popular culture. Well, thanks so much, A.O. Chapman. Really appreciate the support for the past 15 Amen. years, we can Great definitely stuff. say. And toot toot loot to Toot toot. You're listening to CITR FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time now for the Nightwire, the human serviette radio show. And who do we have in the studio today? That would be me. Who are you? Uh, my name is A.O. Trapman. A.O., what are you doing here? Well, uh, we've been, I, I've known you for a while now, and I'd like to say it's a, it's a pleasure to be on your show today. 
And we did... Uh, well, thank you for coming in, A.O. Yeah, Chapman. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I write for Discord occasionally. I'm the promotions director here at CITR. What does A.O. stand for? Uh, that would be Aaron and then a very hard-to-pronounce Irish name that begins with O, O apostrophe. And you're also excited because you I'm just excited, recently yes. did an interview. Yes, with, with Harlan Ellison, the, the famed science fiction writer, which the Washington Post calls one of the greatest living American short story writers. And uh, You were doing this interview the other day. Yes, the other day. This was, this was a few days ago, and I... I was mentioning it to you as I was as I was setting up for the thing, and I, I asked if you would like to partake. And, and I just thought I'd sit in yeah. and sort of participate exactly. for fun at occasional intervals during this interview. Right. But this was you interviewing Harlan Ellis. That's the, Harlan Ellison. That's right. Now, why would anybody want to care a o about Harlan Ellison? Well, I I had heard a lot about him. I had heard that he was a fairly arrogant guy, and 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 he had, he had sued a lot so of. So he's want to interview him because he was arrogant. That's all. That's that's the core of the argument. Yeah. But w- what is his claim to fame? Well, he's why right. would somebody care. He, he's written a lot of science fiction stories. He wrote, if you might remember, the, the Star Trek episode that had Joan Collins The in best it. Star Trek episode. Yeah, that was called one of the best Star Trek episodes. What was that ever. episode called? Did that you was... actually ever see that yes, episode of yes, Star I, Trek? Yes, I did. That was called City on the Edge of Forever. Did you ever read any of his books? I, I, I read a little bit of Dangerous Visions. I'm not really a, a fan of his books because I don't really, I'm, I'm not an, a devotee, you might say. But what does the Washington Post call Harlan the Ellison? Wa- the Washington Post calls, one of, calls Harlan Ellison one of the great living American short story writers. And he's coming. You see, he's coming to town for this book tour. And you were all excited. That's right. I was. Very and you wanted excited. to do an interview. I wanted to do an interview, so I called uh, up the promoter and and. Then you did one here at CITR, and I just sort of was in there. Sorry, yeah, I, I was in the room. No, no, you, I, you were in there, and I take responsibility for whatever happened after that. And we have this interview on tape. You've brought by. That's, that's right. So this is you. A.O. Chapman and me, Nardward, a human serviette, just sort of on the side there. Sorry, did I ruin the interview, No, A.O.? you didn't at all. You didn't at all. I, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I had a lot of fun with it, and, I, and I'm glad you were there. What is some background information that people might want to know about this interview, A.O.? Anything else you'd like to add? Well, not, not really anything else than that, aside from the fact that some people were uh, upset with the interview, and uh, we're sort of here to play it, so, you know... You you can out uh, there can decide for yourselves, I guess. But this was you, A.O. This was All me. decided That's to right. do Harlan Ellison, the same guy that like everybody knows. Yeah, and he's, he's really, really smart. He's really, really articulate. He yeah. wrote that Star Trek episode, so even idiots like me will want to like him because I love that Star Trek episode. That's right, yeah. He wrote some Outer Limits episodes as well, apparently. I just recently heard that. Har- he did. Yeah. Yeah, he did. A couple Outer Limits episodes. I'm not sure which ones, though. And what is he going to be doing in Vancouver, and where is he going to be in Vancouver? Uh, he's going to be at the Robson Square Conference Center on May 24th. Uh, and this is this year, May 24th. And I guess he's going to get... We asked him about it in the interview. But you sound a lot like you're promoting a gig, but you have nothing to I do have, with it. I have no affiliation with it whatsoever. Are you even going to go? Uh, probably not, because I probably will not be let in. He'll probably have his armed guards with him to see if both of us are not there. After. How much are tickets? Uh, probably an ungodly price. $20. Twenty dollars. That's what they call it. To go see Harland Ellison. Well, thank you very much for AO, AO for coming by the Nardware Show and bringing the sound clip it when we recorded in the other room the other day. That's AO Chapman, the voice. What voice will you hear? What what you will hear? My voice. You will hear your. What does your voice sound like, AO Chapman? This is what my voice sounds like. And you will hear my voice uh, occasionally, just sort of spurting in there. And yeah, the other comment. You actually, or maybe we should qualify about that one incident. There's something that comes up, and we have to phone them back. There actually is. A lapse that's of 15 th- minutes. We've right. edited that together. Th- and it is actually 15 minutes. I know there is some debate on behalf of Mr. Ellison's handlers that it was not 15 minutes. And yes, indeed, it was. We gave plenty of time. He asked for 15 minutes, and that's what we gave him. So without further ado, AO, AO.
Yes. Ayo, yes. without further ado, here is Harlan Allison and Ayo Chapman with a bit of contributions from Nardwar to Human Serviette, live from Nardwar to Human Serviette land, Nardwar CITR, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Okay, Ayo, doo-doo-loo-doo. Doo-doo. Yeah. Hello, Mr. Allison. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh, CITR from Vancouver, uh, B.C. Hello there. Yeah, uh, sorry. A bit of, uh, I didn't mean to rush you the previous time there. No, no, it's all right. It's uh, the middle of the day, and they're driving me up the wall. Various yeah. calls. Why are they driving you up the wall? Are we recording, or are we just chatting? Oh, well, I guess, I guess we're beginning the interview now, yeah. <laughs> That's a bit of a chat. It's a no, we were just wondering why they were driving you up the wall. Well, first of all, we, 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 must, we must consolidate the term they. <laughs> they meaning the insensate forces of the universe that uh, are out there every day driving jackhammers into everyone's brain. Uh, whether it's uh, whether it's the government or uh, or people from Vancouver calling me for idiotic interviews in the middle of the day, it's uh, <laughs> there's, uh, there's that old quote from Edna St. Vincent Millay. She said it's not true that life is one damn thing after another. It's one damn thing over and over and over and over. But Vancouver is a great town. It's home of Spider Robinson. What is, what is what is the greatness of Vancouver got to do with some of the people who live in it? You're, are you trying to tell me that everyone who lives in a certain place is a wonderful human being? By that, well, well, probably not. But by, I mean, by, that, by that token, everyone in Los Angeles would be wonderful. But as, as we know, sure. they're not. Yeah. How, how, how has it been down there recently? Uh, have you been able to get to work uh, with any degree of difficulty or Gee, anything? I don't know. Has something been going on? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mustn't play with Do you. Do you know Spider Robinson? Of course, I know Spider. Robinson. Doesn't everyone know Spider Robinson? No, not everybody. Do you, do you know? Uh, do you know George Bowring? Who? Canadian poet. No, I don't. Uh, he's my next door neighbor. That's the only reason why I asked. Uh, now you see, now you embarrass me because I, I take I take this inordinate pride in knowing virtually everybody in every language who writes well, and when when I don't know a name, yeah. it may it may You're be that I don't now. know it we've, by we've, pronunciation. We've embarrassed you on 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 citywide radio now. Well, it may be that I don't know it by that pronunciation. Uh, it's, it's like until I was until I was about 14 years old, I thought the word bonanza was banana. Really? I did, well, sure. I didn't know. Were you, were you a big fan of westerns or anything? Well, oddly enough, there was a Gene Autry movie called The Big Bonanza. And it, well, was, it played, at the the theater, began, played at the Lake Theater in, in Painesville, Ohio, when I was a kid. And I didn't know the word bonanza, so I thought it was about a big banana. I went to see the movie. I was totally confused, and there was no foodstuffs in it at all. Do you know that Peter Breck from the Big Valley lives in Vancouver? Does he really? Yeah, he does. I always admired his hair. It was like patent leather. It's still exactly the same. Exactly. He has a Breck Academy. He can teach people now. You can come to Vancouver and learn from Peter Breck. What, acting? Yeah, he has his own school. Well, uh, golly. Uh, <laughs> what, what can I say? I am, I am, I, I is awestruck. Spider Robinson and Peter Breck. It's Peter also Breck. Vancouver's the home of Yvonne DiCarlo of the Munsters. As a matter of fact, I saw Yvonne DiCarlo in a movie just last night. Really? I was running a cassette of that dreadful Sylvester Stallone movie, Oscar, and there was Yvonne DiCarlo... Uh, older, much, 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 much older, and really? and, and yeah. with much more avid de poire than I had remembered. Yeah. Uh, and uh, she was uh, Aunt Edna or something like that. And I thought to myself, ah, oh, this was the Yvonne DiCarlo over whom I lusted many a Saturday afternoon in my youth. Apparently, I remember seeing on Letterman that uh, Tony Curtis telling a story about how he boffed uh, Yvonne DiCarlo. Do you remember ever seeing that? Uh, no. I'm, it was a very funny story. I'm, I'm about to be embarrassed again. I, I, I have only watched Johnny Carson once in my entire oh, life. Oh, Letterman. This was Letterman. This was uh, Letterman. Yeah. I've never watched. Never watched him. Never do, watched him. Do you watch much television? Because I seem to remember you were on a car commercial a few years ago. Uh, well, it's, one has nothing to do with the other, but but I, I watch a fair amount because it's it's one of the cultural mediums, and I like to figure that I'm au courant, and I and I watch as much as I can stomach. But it, my tolerance for it is uh, grows shorter and shorter as I yeah. grow older and older. Yeah. 
But you did do that car commercial, am I right? Am I, I did, in am fact, I... do a commercial for Geo. Yes, yeah, I that's did. That's right, yeah. I, in fact, drive a Geo. Really? So, that's, oh, yeah. so you, 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 I mean, unlike a lot of other people, you do actually support, the, you actually use the product. Oh, it's a dynamite car. Are you kidding? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't know about you guys, but I love any car that gives me 47 miles to the gallon. Right. Or is it 52 or 57? Something like 52, yeah, 57. Some, some, some incredible amount of uh, mileage like that. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not big on cars as, uh, as sex you just like You just like the, the throaty exhaust and... Oh, sorry? Uh, you just like the throaty exhaust of, of a vehicle and, and, the, and the, the rush of, of driving, though. That's, well, that's, no, what, I used that's to what every man I used, loves. One, one of us has got to talk at a time here, guys. Uh, the, uh, I used to race uh, for the Austin Healy factory team in my youth, and so I, 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 liked, I liked sports cars. But beyond that, uh, I really have not much use for cars. They're yeah. just transportation to get you one place to another. Where were you born? I was born in Cleveland, Ohio, and moved to a little town called Painesville, P-A-I-N-E-S-V-I-L-L-E, uh, when I was about, I guess, about three or four years old. What year was that, Harlan? That was 1934. You may have heard of it. It was in all the papers. Yeah. Do you ever know Gouliardi at all? Would you say that again, please? Gouliardi, the famous ghoul expert from Cleveland. Gouliardi? He had a TV show. No, Stay you're, sick. Talking to, you're talking to a guy who was two years shy of 60 years old, jerko. How the hell is Stay Sick was the name of his show. He loved sick. people no, telling. I sick. ran away from I ran away from Ohio when I was 13 years old. To join the circus, or I joined a carnival, as a matter of fact. Really? Yes, indeed. Wow. Now, listen, hold on one second. Talk among yourselves for a second while I get rid of this imbecile who keeps ringing me back on this phone. Just all right. That took care of that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, it, probably, it was probably someone calling to offer me vast sums of money. Yeah, or or, or like a, some kitchen products or something like this. Nah, I don't get much of that. Do you live in a house, Harlan? Do I what? Do you live in a house? Uh, no, uh, we live in a cave here in Los Angeles. Well, that's, that's, the standard, that's the standard city, well, I mean, city like, of angels living, I guess. But. Your, your wealth income must have generated enough for you to live in a house. That's my, great. My wealth is so vast that I could, I could, in fact, own small countries if I but chose. Some, like like L. Ron Hubbard. Do you, do, you, do, you, do you believe a lot of this kind of mythology, don't you? I mean, do you also believe in the Easter well, Bunny? Well we're, well, we're buying into the myth, Harlan. You see, you, you know, you're, you're, see. you're the... You see, all, all these pictures have been circulated around Vancouver of, of you in this very pensive-looking pose with your, sort of your hand over on your chin, kind of yeah, covering the lower well, portion. Yeah, well, unfortunately, that picture is about 10 years old. Yeah, it looked, I, it looked I, old, I have, yeah. I have gray hair now. Really? Yeah, oh, I have well. gray hair. I, yeah, look, I, I look like an old fart now. Yeah. Is this your first time coming to Vancouver? Good God, no. I've been in Vancouver many times. Really? Yeah, I like Vancouver. I like Vancouver very much. I, I, I like particularly the gulls that come sweeping in off the bay or the harbor, whatever the hell that is. Yeah, and, and, and deposit feces. And eat the crackers out of your hand as you stand on the balcony of... Uh, of uh, well, they must have that in Los Angeles, too. It's a port city. I mean, surely there must be, like, seafaring uh, waterfowl around, you know? <laughs> Seafaring waterfall. Yeah, sure. We're ass deep in them. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you, do you still write? By uh, the way, by the way, to, yeah. whom am I, to whom am I speaking? Who are you? Uh, uh, my name is uh, A.O. Chapman, and and with me is Nardwar. 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 Nardwar the human serviette. I see. Your parents had a had a brilliant sense of humor, did they? No, just you know, I could call myself Sting, or I could call myself Nardwar the human serviette, or Harlan. Harlan. What kind? Of, what, what what kind of name is Harlan? Is that English or is it? Harlan is Harlan is is actually from, from what I can get. I mean, God knows why it got this way, but it's it's Scottish. It means from the warland. Really? Yes, that's what it means in the book. It's, it's, it's an odd name, isn't it? I, mean, I, I don't well, know. Only, only only if you're not named Harlan. Yeah. For me, it's were, were you were you bugged a lot in school for being called Harlan? With I mean, that's you know how kids are. You know. Only briefly. I I'm the sort of person who is only bugged for a short period of time before I kill. Really? Yeah. I'm, 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 I have a very, very low bullshit threshold, and uh, uh, it's, it's my, 
my feeling that anyone uh, anyone jerks around with you, all you have to do is kill them. That's, that's it. If somebody were to say the name Harlan out loud, mm -hmm. Harlan Ellison, is that how you pronounce your last name? Well, actually, Finkelstein is the way I pronounce it. Okay. Harlan, if somebody were to say Harlan Ellison, what do you think is the first thing that would come into youngsters' minds about you? Um, like, what are you known for, would, would you, you like say? Would you like an answer to that, or do you want to just continue running? Well, continue, like, answer, please. It's 20 questions. Are you guys always this hysterical, or do you, or do you, or do you sometimes no, we're just authority? We're running off the fire of you, Harlan. Uh, You're just a warm, crazy guy. I, I'm, I'm a world-famous author. I'm not crazy at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, you're a nice I'm, I'm and energetic. A I'm a pillar of the community. I'm an elder statesman. I mean, you should give me a little respect, for Christ's sake. I'm, I'm old enough to be your grandfather, for Christ's sake. You're in the house. You're down with OPP. No, my dad's actually 65. Your dad is 65. Yeah, mine, yeah. mine, mine is 72. And my mom's 39 till she's 65. Do, do, they, do, they, do they own up to, to, to being your parents, or do they just sort of, you know, deny all knowledge? They don't tell them. But what are you known for, would you say, Harlan? Uh, well, I think, I think my, most, my most important thing is the discovery of radium. Radium. What part of that like, are you having trouble with? Like, like radium hot springs and... No, 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 I discovered radium. Also, the raising of the, the Titanic, that was one of mine. Really? Yeah. And, um... Uh, I, thought, I, saw, I thought some big, crazy American Texas billionaire had that in his mind, or did he steal the idea from you? Oh, God knows. I don't, are you serious? Some idiot really wants to raise the Titanic? Yeah, I don't oh, know. Oh, please. I don't know. He was, he was, he was shoveling millions of dollars into the idea or something. No, like I was... I, one, of these, one of these crazy Ross Perot's that, that you Americans are, are supporting or something like this, I can't understand. Our, our crazy Ross Perot. I mean, we're, we're, talking, we're talking here about a nation, your nation, where the censorship laws are so bad that people flee from Canada to come to America, and you're talking about What are you talking about, about? They, all, they all came up here to avoid the Vietnam you, Vietnam you, you, you got I, okay, I agree. I agree. Books. I you got, got you got guys who ban comic books. They're afraid that the that the common wheel will be hurt if they have a comic book that bothers them. Well, that's that's because we have all these very big brass, very aged old men in power in back rooms, and we can't do much about it. We have it. We have a senator, an appointed senator, unlike so. In other words, what you. you're saying is that Canada is exactly as fucked up as America. Uh, except there's no. You see, my 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 idea about this, Harlan, is that the only difference between Canada and America is, is when we have a when when each country has a race riot. Uh, Canadians and Americans will steal stuff, but the only difference between Canada and America is is that Canadians get embarrassed after a while and they bring it all back. That's what's happening down here too. They're bringing it all back. Absolutely, absolutely. People are people have been inundating the uh, the churches and the uh, and the uh, uh, the police stations with with stuff that was stolen. Really? They're, they're bringing it back in droves, for God's sake. So how are they going to get it? Were there receipts? Well, there obviously weren't any receipts. How are they no, get they're just saying, hey, I stole this, and people are trying to figure out where to put it back. They also arrested the guys who beat up the truck driver. I, I heard about that today. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, we'll, we'll get rid of Daryl Gates and everything. We just find again. See, the difference between race California and Uber Alice, America you know. is that down here, down here, what happens is that blacks kill Latinos, Latinos kill Koreans, Koreans kind of fight with white folks, white folks will lynch anybody. Up in Canada, you beat the shit out of the Indians. You know, it's no big. Well, deal. yeah, I mean, we have we have those, but but it's not as it's not. We don't. But have we have one problem. thing that you didn't have, Harlan. We had the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. That's right, Harlan. And they came in here and they made things better, so it was easier for the native people to get along with the inhabitants from Europe, whereas in the United States of America, what did you have? You just had big shootouts. Yeah, six-gun justice. That's all. Yeah, I, I, I got to give it to you. I mean, the, the, the Mounties have real pretty uniforms. We all we all admire the hell yeah. out. Well, of they it. just got changed, actually. So. Who are some of your favorite illustrators, Harlan? Well, I like Bruegel. I like Dolly. I like um, Bosch. Pardon? Hieronymus Bosch. Oh, of course, I love Bosch. Yeah. Bosch was wonderful. Yeah. Heinrich Klei. And we're not talking about Clay. We're talking about Heinrich Klei. Yeah. 
let's see, who else? I like... Um, Rip Griffin, Grateful Dead artist. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know Rick Griffin, and he's a wonderful guy. He's and dead, I admire, isn't he? I admire his work, but I'm not nuts about he's Rick dead. Griffin's work. He's dead. What? Rick Gr the Grateful Dead guy is dead. That, that ain't, wait a minute, that ain't funny. No, 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 that's true. The, guy, the Grateful heard. Dead artist is actually dead. He died. When did Rick Griffin die? He died about um, half a year ago. I'm serious. We're not, we're not feeding you a bad news out here. Yeah, this. you are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. shit. I mean, you didn't know that? We've been getting even up in Canada. Yeah. A few things do manage to slip by, fellas. Oh, sorry. Well, um, sorry to break you the bad news. How about rock and roll combos, Harlan? Have uh, you endorsed any of those in the early days, or are you a staunch McCarthy yeah, anti-rock and roller? I'm, I'm still dealing with Rick Griffin. Uh, hold on for just a second. Um, uh, are we still on the air? Is that, is that what well, this is all being this is all taped and recorded. Yeah. For a later play, or, you, or, is it, or is it going out live? Uh, we'll, we'll, play, we'll probably play it later. Maybe, maybe edit it down or not. You know. uh, can I ask, can I impose any? Would you, would you mind calling me back in about 10, 15 minutes? Uh, sure. Is that cool? Can That's you do fine. That? No problem. Okay, I, I, I have to sit and think about this. Okay. Okay. All right. Bye. Okay, let's go. Okay, great. Uh, let me see where we are. Uh, what, what's, what's bringing to Vancouver? What's the, uh, what, what, I mean, you're going to be, I know you're going to be doing some readings and stuff like that. What, uh, what specifically are you going to be, might, can people expect? Uh, well, uh, when I do an evening's lecture, it usually runs a couple of hours, two and a half, three hours, something like that, and I do a reading of usually a new piece of fiction that I've just written that hasn't been published yet, and yeah. the rest of it is uh, just chat, peripatetic observation, uh, just ruminations, the usual stuff that that uh, I do in my columns. Uh, it's, it's um, I suppose, uh, the closest thing to it would be like what Will Rogers or Mark Twain or Lenny Bruce did. Right. It's just uh, whatever's in front of my my eye is what I talk about, and it usually, uh, I, the, the only rule I have is that I, I, I mustn't bore anybody. Yeah. Do you still get a lot of people asking you about the uh, the Star Trek episode you uh, you wrote? No, no one ever. Asked. No one asked. No one ever asked. Well, it's in the we're... Smithsonian now, so I don't have to be asked. Really, it's in the Smithsonian. Yep. Wow. Yeah, they 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 decided to uh, to put it there for posterity. Wow. Joan Collins was cast so perfectly in that role. Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> She's beautiful. Did you get to touch or lick Joan Collins at all, Maybe. Harlan? No. No. Are you? Do you? Do you what, are, what are the writers? Are you, are you a William Burroughs fan at all? Or are you? I've, 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 the only Burroughs that I really like is the early stuff. Uh, his Junkie and, uh, and a couple of things he did way back in the fifties. I'm, I'm not that wild about Burroughs stuff. It's, it's a little too random for me. I mean, if I want, if I want that kind of stuff, I read Henry Miller. Yeah. Uh, who I think does it a little bit better. No, my, the, the, the writers I read mostly these days are, oddly enough, the Latin Americans. Uh, I really uh, enjoy uh, Jorge Amado and Luisa Valenzuela and right. uh, people like that. How about Mordecai Richler? Have you ever indulged yourself in any of his works? Uh, yeah, well, I, oddly enough, I, I, I'm a big fan of... Uh, it's pronounced Richler, is it? I, Richler, I'm, yeah, that's right. Richler. Uh, but boy, has he gotten to be a conservative guy. Woo, boy. Um, just read the new book he just did on Quebec. Right. And um, it seemed uh, very... Um, um, Old, ha I'm, what am I trying to say? I guess very, very uh, like a, like a ranting uncle, like a ranking, you know. Well, like like somebody who has always had the the, the fishing rights to the pond and is now upset because other people are fishing. Yeah. Uh, it, it it wasn't a book that I particularly liked, but I I, I liked uh, Saint Urban's Horseman and uh, and uh, Duddy Kravitz. I think is a wonderful book. Mm -hmm. Which was a very interesting writer. He's it, uh, there are any number. He's of on a book tour now as well. He's doing. 
I'm sorry. He's doing a spoken word sort of book tour now. He's he's out on the on the circuit like you like you will be on May 24th. Yeah, you got to do it. It's uh, it's part of paying the dues, I guess. It's um, I'd much rather sit. Do you get home. nervous? Do you get nervous around crowds? I expect writing. I mean, writing is sort of a very uh, personal sort of one person against a machine typewriter word no, processor. No, I, 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 no, I like crowds. Yeah, uh, I, li I like audiences. Uh, I enjoy uh, I enjoy the the, uh, the the back and forth. Uh, but it's just the travel gets wearying. I've been doing it for so damn long that uh, uh, if there were if, if any joy that that was in air travel, for instance, has, has vanished uh, long long since. Yeah, novelty wore off. It's well, it's it's you know they 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 they, they shovel you in like a, like a like a piece of meat. You have to sit there and pretend that you're really interested in in, in hearing you know hollow one track of uh, fried green tomatoes while somebody dumps their uh, rubber chicken on you. How yeah. Farley Mowat? Have you ever read any of his works? Uh, I read Farley Mowat years ago. Uh, He's still banned from the USA. Yeah. Is he real? Oh, because of the political thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they're still doing that for. I mean, they they would have continued to, to keep uh, Garcia Marquez out if uh, if a whole bunch of people hadn't screamed and yelled. Uh, I could never understand why why they objected to Farley Mowat. My God, of all the of all the writers, he's he's one of the least, you know, political in that respect. I just I don't understand. They they do a lot of stupid things. One one of the one of the great. I mean, I've said maybe three or four important things in my life, you know, if, if that. But but the only one I think that'll last is the, the the two most common elements in the universe are hydrogen and stupidity. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's I don't know why people do things like that, and and uh, I guess governments are like a snake without a head; they don't really know what they're doing most of the time. Tell me about the the CBC series Space Lost. Star Lost. Star Lost. Pardon me. Star Lost. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, that was a nightmare. That was. Yeah. How did that that the odd got canceled? Uh, I think. <sighs> not too soon for not, me. Not too soon. Yeah. Well, really. I, you know, I never actually saw the series. I never. I never looked at one of them. Really? Uh, yeah, it was much too painful. I so it was just like a one-time let's get the money and run affair for you, or was it? You know what? How no, it wasn't anything like that oh. at all. Not even remotely. Really? Uh, what? what it was was something that I put a lot of effort into and a lot of creativity really? into, and it was sold out from under me by 20th Century Fox, and we sold it to Canada instead of the BBC, and we wound up with. Uh, a lot of uh, greedy Canadian businessmen who acted just like a greedy American businessmen, mm -hmm. and uh, they all sort of lockstep their way into a really ugly and awful series. And uh, it was very painful for me because it was something really? that I had created and that I owned, and uh, it came out like a thalidomide baby. So no, it wasn't take the money and run. It was uh, uh, an unpleasant experience. We did a book about it that you may have. You guys ever actually read anything I've written? Uh, Either one of you? I've I've only read little excerpts from like Dangerous Visions and yeah. stuff like that. Not not I never. I have, I'm not, I have, I'm I not a real. I'm not a huge devotee. Of what? Of of all your readings because I don't have them. I haven't come across them enough. I guess. Okay. Well, then then, then this could all be hot air. I could have no talent at all, right? Well, yeah. It's, uh, that's uh, beauty is in the mind of the beholder, so to speak. What do you think of Space 1999? Did you like that series at all? Uh, you're a very strange little fellow, aren't you? You 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 keep acting asking these really. How do, how do I put it politely? A, a, a dipshit, ignorant, stupid questions. Well, I'm not one human serviette. Ah, yeah. Why is that? Why is that? Why is that? I'll tell you, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be real candid with you guys. Yeah. Uh, I'm coming up to do a gig, and they, and they say, will you give interviews? I said, absolutely, because I don't want these guys to go into the toilet. I want them to make money out. But but I, I find interviews basically idiotic to begin with. Yeah. And, and, and when I can maybe say something of any consequence, that kind of makes it tolerable. But when i got to answer questions to, you know, to the, to, the, to the little the little guy there. Uh, it's a little nerd war. To people like us. It's kind of waste all of our time, not to mention your listeners, who I presume have a little more intelligence than that. 
Well, uh, just wondering, we just wondered if you heard of Space 1999, yeah. but because we really enjoyed it because it had a bald guy in it, and the new Star Trek The Next Generation has a bald guy okay, in listen, it, too. It's been terrific talking to you guys. Have a, have a wonderful afternoon, and uh, don't fall into any large holes or get hit by any great heavy objects. I think that's probably where oh, we... Oh, A.O. has one last question for you. Uh, no, I think, I think we're done. Oh, Harlan, can we ask you one last question? One more, perhaps? I think we're done. Take care of yourself. One thing for our listeners. well, and don't, don't, don't hurt anybody. One thing for our listeners. And you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show, 20-year, 20 20-hour 20 interview marathon. And you just heard from May 15th, 1992, an interview with Harlan Ellison. Helping me on that interview was A.O. Chapman, and we heard from A.O. Chapman before. We played the interview. If you have any requests, Nardwar at Nardwar.com or phone in 604-822-2487. Any requests of interviews you may have heard on a Nardwar to Human Survey Radio Show in the past 20 years. We have the entire archive right in front of us. Right now, here is an interview with Tommy Lee from March the 1st. 2000. Hey, Nardwa, you're on with Tommy Lee. All right. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, how you doing? Excellent. So, Tommy, who are you? Uh, uh, who am I? Yes. Oh, my God. I am many, many things, my friend. You are Tommy Lee of Methods of Ma'am. Yes. Uh, uh, I am many, many things. And Tommy, who else is in Methods of Mayhem? Uh, we got, oh my God, are you ready for this? I'm, bring it on, bring it on. Are you sitting down, brother? I sure am, with my pen in my hand. Okay, uh, obviously, uh, myself. Tommy uh, Lee. Yes, um, my fucking crazy, fucking red-headed, dreaded, fucking hip-hop motherfucker, T-Lo. Uh, Stephen Perkins from Jane's Addiction. On the, drums. Right. Um, Chris Cheney, who was uh, in Alanis Morissette's touring band. A Canadian connection. Yes, sir. Um, and also another fellow Canadian, Kai, is on guitar. Uh, he was from a band called Noise Therapy. From Vancouver, BC, Canada. Yes, sir. And also um, Mixmaster Mike from the Beastie Boys. He didn't even give a drum roll for that one. <laughs> And also, uh, we, we sort of got like a, an opening revolving uh, door, DJ door. It's a D, uh, DJ Shortcut, who's also a, a, a scratch pickle. So it'll be uh, him and him and my, Isn't that crazy? I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's like, yeah. So, uh, so there's a, a couple of DJs, you know? So, Tommy, a few years ago, there was a quote from the Motley Crue camp. I don't know if it was you or not, but, quote, Keyboards and porno soundtracks should be thrown in the garbage. But now you're doing Methods of Mayhem. Yeah, but those aren't keyboards. These are synthesizers. But you had Scott Kirkland of the Crystal Method doing vintage keyboards. Yes, sir. And you had to get naked video. Mm-hmm. Now, with Stephen Perkins on drums there, are you going to be drumming with him? Is it going to be like yeah. dual drums right up front? Yeah, it's fucking insane. Like, it's not your typical, like, okay, here's the... 
I, I know. As soon as I finish this interview, I'll call him. Okay, dude, sorry. Um, uh, 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 what was I going to say? Oh, it's not your typical uh, two drum sets sort of, uh, you know, split apart um, like we've all seen before. This is one toxic-looking, fucking insane. Uh, it's a very large drum set, one large drum set that two guys sit inside this pod, if you will. Tommy, where, did, where do you come up with this type of stuff? Like in Motley Crue, you had that caged, rotating drum set. Was that thing made by NASA? Uh, no, it wasn't. It was made by uh, some people at a company called Show Staging, but uh, it was it was my idea, and me and this uh, sort of hydraulics specialist named Chris Peters, uh, we just sort of started dreaming about what it, what it would be like to fucking have the drum spin around upside down, and we did it. From the hard streets of Covina to Methods of Ma'am, what's up, G? Snoop! Snoop! I can't believe it. Snoop Doggy Dog. Tell me about Snoop, like recording with Snoop. That's Incredible. Yeah. What's that like, Tommy? What, 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 what was there any Snoop moment that you remember? Like when you first, when he came in the studio there, did he tell you any good Dre stories? Um, any deranged stories? Uh, well, other than the fact that Snoop Dogg smokes more fucking weed than I have ever seen on the planet. <laughs> uh, pretty, pretty, pretty mellow. Like not, nothing really. I can't really recall any crazy moments. Really, like a lot of fun, creative. Like, you know, we were getting high on the fucking music. Music, you know what I mean? More, more like that than anything, really. Tommy Lee of Methods of Mayhem, anger management. I don't believe in the public eye. Seems like 24-7 being watched by a spy. They're not yeah. news reporters. They are full of bullshit. Being watched by a spy. Now, I was wondering, it was reported a couple days ago that you were kicked out of your house with Pam, but you said you were not. Then yesterday, there was a news story on the Newswire. I don't know if you saw this or not. Tommy Lee and wife face dog bite lawsuit. I know, I saw that. Tommy Lee and his wife Pamela Anderson are headed back to court, this time over their pet Rottweiler. A woman yeah. is suing the couple, claiming she was bitten by the dog during a 1997 visit to the couple's home near Malibu. Like, a dog bite lawsuit. What the hell is going on here? I was curious, Tommy Lee, were you unknowingly, unknowingly, set up perhaps by a record company to help generate publicity for the upcoming tour? Like, I mean, are they pulling these people? Absolutely not. Are they pulling? Hey, how the hell are ya? How are you? It's Leona from the record company listening on you. But I was just curious there, Tommy. But this is like, isn't that crazy? Tommy Lee and wife face dog bite lawsuit? I know. This fucking lady, I mean, like a year and a half or so after the fact, she, she decides to sue us and it's like, uh, dude, that is just, you know what? That's why I called my fucking new band Methods of Mayhem because it's fucking always like this. It's a fucking nuisance, you know? One day I hope that, you know, I, I can just fucking come and go as I please, but, you know, and you know, every time I fart, it's not in the fucking newspaper, you know? Like, I just, I, I fucking yearn for that day, you know? And not to mean that, I mean, uh, you know, I would like, to, I, I would certainly, I'm not saying I don't like the, you know, the exposure and, and the, the, the fans and all that shit. I love all that. But God, if it was music driven, it would be so much more fun than fucking every time, you know, someone gets bit or someone farts, it's in the paper. It's fucking stupid. And to top it off, it's a dog. My God. On top of this, Tommy, are you going to teach Tilo the ways of touring with Tommy Lee? Like, are you going to teach Tilo? Like, he's your main man there in Methods of Mayhem. Will there ever be another spaghetti incident, do you think? <laughs> oh, Lord. You know, 
know, I just know that we're going to have probably one of the best times ever. You know, that's that. I mean, you know, we're, we're not here for a long, a long time. We're here for a good time. That's my fucking, basically, you know, the words that I live by. So. But Tilo must have thousands of questions. I mean, you've done like 20 years of touring, and like, you know, he's I don't know, he's pretty new on the block. Like, does he ever come up to you and ask you about stuff? Well, one thing I'm curious about that Motley Crue contest, where you once had to see how we could, how many groupies you could have without bathing, and the only way you won was because Nikki had spaghetti barfed on him while having sex with a groupie, and after making it eat it all up, after making her eat it all up, he had to take a shower. Is that the spaghetti incident, Tommy Lee? Yes, that was. <laughs> what, can you, what happened there? I, I've only heard bits of it. That sounds incredible. It's a, um, you know, a nice and disgusting, filthy road story. No, no more, no less. <laughs> but what, what's Tilo, your co-conspirator Methods of Mayhem, like? Like, is he going to be able to live up to that? Oh, my God. Uh, this this kid is fucking. Uh, <laughs> Does he need to be uh, taught any manners? Is, uh, is he a young Tommy Lee? Like, are you afraid he may rub cum all over the dressing room walls, like you did the Kiss, causing you know Motley Crue to get kicked off a Kiss tour? <laughs> you know what? He, I, you know what? I just gonna, I just let him be himself, and he's a he's a fucking he's a great guy. He's uh he's definitely he's got his own style. And, uh, he, yeah, he's a fucking wild man. That's, I, mean, I love him. That's, that's the kind of energy you need on stage, you know? That's the kind of energy people, people come to see. So, yeah, I just, you know, I basically just let him do his thing, you know? I'm not going to be his dad. I'm not going to be anything but his friend, you know? We're just going to have a good time and take Methods of Mayhem around the world and fucking tear it up. Well, Tommy, leave Methods of Mayhem. Have you heard of the band The Dawn Is It All from yeah, San Francisco? I, yeah, I have. They cover, I, too, they, they, they cover Too Fast for Love. Yeah, I heard about that. And they spotted you driving the Methods of Mayhem tour bus. Now, hold on. Why isn't Tilo driving? Make him work there, Tommy Lee. <laughs> I'm driving this shit, baby. Get naked. $77 million made from watching me come under the sun on my vacation. But you didn't make one penny off that? Nope, not one. Zero zilch. Fucking nada. The best part of that video, Tommy Lee, is, I mean, sure, there's Pam and there's all that other excitement, but I think the best part is when you honk the horn on the speedboat, when you take your cock out there and you push the horn on the speedboat. Do you remember that? Of course. <laughs> did you rent or buy that speedboat? Um, that was a rental. So did you tell them that, like, your cock print is, like, on the horn? No, God damn it. I would imagine they know by now if they've seen the video. Tommy Lee of Methods of Mayhem, further on the video, there's a mayhem tattoo. It's prominently displayed in the video, and there's totally wild music going on in the background, which I think is, using the word totally again, foreshadowing. Now do you have Methods of Mayhem with crazy wild tunes. What was the music going on in the background there? It was some crazy stuff. Um, it was like, it's all good. It was like, it's all good. Yeah, that's man, that's MC Hammer actually. That's one of one of my favorite songs that he ever did. Because it, it is all good. I mean, every time that uh, Pamela and I would go anywhere or do anything, that was like our you know our theme song. You know? It's like it's like we would all we would both you know look at each other and just fucking it'd be like man, it's it's all good. like you know what I mean? It's all Hammer time. It's, uh, well, I don't know about Hammer time, but it's all definitely all good. That's for sure. No, Tommy Lee, with this whole video fiasco Brett and Michael's fault because since he started flogging his tape with Pamela and it like sold for five million dollars the people who stole your tape wanted to make bucks too is it is it Brett and Michael's fault Tommy Lee 
I, you know, I don't know much about that. I've sort of kept my my distance from all that. I know nothing about that. That was before my time. Because they put $3 million into marketing your tape. That's pretty good. I would, that'd be great to put $3 million into promoting your record. Yeah. <laughs> and you were Tommy Lee of Messes a Man. No, Tommy, narcotic. Are you ready? Are you ready for the weekend? Is that a reference to working for the weekend by Loverboy at all? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, actually, if mine is, are you ready for the... Are you ready for the tweak end? Oh, go yeah. get like tweaked, like the name of that Enough's Enough record. Don't, don't confuse me with the Loverboy guys. Well, Loverboy was from Vancouver, and you do sort of have some Vancouver connections. Like you have your guitarist from Noise Therapy from Vancouver, and wasn't your first wife before Pam and Heather Candice Starchuk from Surrey, B.C.? Uh, yeah, we used to go out for a little bit. That, it was, so she was your wife? Uh, uh, for like about 30 days. Well, but a Canadian connection, so Canadians yeah. can be proud. And do you know the name of the Canadian brand of beer, Tommy Lee, that launched the career of your third wife, Pamela Lee? Uh, Labatt, I think. Labatt's Blue, and you were Tommy Lee of Methods of Ma'am. So what's your fascination with Vancouver girls? Like there's the song Girls, 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 and it mentions the Vancouver Club, the body shop. What's the fascination? Um, I don't know. I think... At that time, it was a time in our life, and uh, I just decided to write about it, you know? But do you like the Comox, Courtney area where Pamela's from, you know, here in the Vancouver area on Vancouver yeah. Island? The Comox Valley? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, I, I spent a, uh, a good day or two out on the, in, in the gardens. It was Bouchard Gardens. Bouchard Gardens! Yeah, I just walked around and checked out all these beautiful trees and plants and water features, and it was beautiful. I, I thought it was a really beautiful part of the country. That's totally amazing. The one time I interviewed Kurt Cobain, he actually mentioned he went to Bouchard Gardens as a small kid. Kurt Cobain and Tommy Lee having something in common. That's incredible. New, <laughs> new skin. Now I'm shedding my skin. You gotta listen. Now, Tommy Lee, will Mick Mars ever shed his skin and reveal his Canadian roots? Isn't he from Newfoundland? Uh, actually, you know what? No, he's not. That was just sort of a big, like a, a big press facade. Like, I think he's from Indiana. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Well, so how, how much of this was a facade? I mean, this is a mayhem. It's totally real here. But with Motley yeah. Crue, on the show to the devil and parts of Theater of Pain tours, there was a rumor that Nikki Six, Nikki, was replaced with a double, like some guy from Erie, Pennsylvania, from a band called Six Pack, dressed up as Nikki because Nikki was too fucked up to go on tour. Yeah, um, God. Fuck, you know what, dude? I don't really want to talk about all that shit. I'm so old. I'm on. I'm. I'm. I'm into some new shit right now. It's like those stories are so old and tired. Hypercritical. We protest uh, against negative stress. Hypercritical. Yeah. We progress against negative stress. Now, now you have this record with Methods of Mayhem, Tommy, and we kind of got to refer to Career slightly. But did they blackmail you into anything? Because you, saying to you, if you talked any shit about us, we'll let the world know that you know Tommy um kicked my dog etc. Because there weren't too many biting lyrics into kind of your past relationships with the crew on this particular release. Yeah, yeah, um, I don't know, I just set out to, to, this record for me is all about truth, you know, and I will always speak the truth, you know, some people might not like to hear it, but I'm going to fucking say it, you know, it is the truth, and I just don't like the way, um, I just don't like the way things are reported, I think everything's sensationalized just to get fucking ratings. But how about particularly about Motley Crue on this record, were there any uh, references to them? I looked closely, just wondering if there any were. Like, did they no. tell you, hey, Tommy, you better not do 
do this, so we're going to, you know. No, there's no references whatsoever. What do you think of the rock and roll form known as punk there, Tommy Lee? What do you think of punk? Because you were in the L.A. area. Did you ever see the germs? Tommy Lee of the rock and roll band Motley Crue, formerly and now of the rock and roll band Methods of Mayhem. Tommy Lee? 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 Tommy Lee of the rock and roll band Methods of Mayhem, formerly of Motley Crue. Tommy Lee? Noise therapy? Noise therapy? Noise therapy? Tommy Lee? Tommy Lee? Tommy Lee? Tommy Lee? Tommy Lee? Tommy Lee?